All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Angry Sports Fans. I'm your host, Afro, and with me, I got the family, Lord Fish. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. We've got a great episode planned. I can't wait to get this started. Phenomenal. Yeah, I know. I'm actually very excited about this episode because we have a lot to unpack, and then this is just a 1v1 situation, so we're going to be going back and forth. I'm sure we're going to bump heads, but we're also going to get along on a lot of shit. But we're going to go ahead and jump right into the topics. I First things first, you know, on Monday we had one of the number one tennis players in the world, if not the greatest tennis player in the world as we speak, because Serena's just taking a step back in the women's division. Not talking about Jokic or Federer, just women. Naomi Osaka, you know, she has a lot going on. On Monday she withdrew herself from the French Open due to mental health reasons, you know, I respect her decision. I believe it was very brave of her to come out and say that because not only is she, once again, one of the number one tennis players in the world, she's one of the highest performing players at this point in time. Everybody has all eyes on her. And for her to bow out of the competition, to take, you know, a step back and take a mental break for her own wellness, I I, I thought that was awesome. And, you know, I, I think that opens up so many doors for so many other people in the future. And uh, it's a great conversation to have because other athletes have gone through shit, but, you know, us as fans and the media just tore them apart. But now they're seeing this woman go through all this, and I've never seen so much support from one person. So uh, what are your thoughts on this situation? What's going through your mind when you see this? I mean, it's huge. You know, she's a Louis Vuitton ambassador. She's sponsored by Nike. She's managed by IMG. She's only 23, and she's currently ranked number two in the world. Fucking for her, winning. She's winning at life. That's amazing. Correct. And she's um, 29th highest paid athlete in 2020, second on endorsements behind Serena. So she's a big name. She's a household name and everything. She's still young. She's got a career ahead of her. Um, she's She was born in Japan and stuff, and she falls between both countries. She supports them both. Um, I think it's good. You know, she's always been reserved, shy personality. And she even came out and said, the truth is that I suffered long bouts of depression since the U.S. Open in 2018, and I've had a really hard time coping with that. Anyone that knows me knows I'm introverted, and anyone that sees me in tournaments will notice that I'm often wearing headphones as it helps dull my social anxiety. I'm going to take some time away from the court now, but when the time is right, I really want to work with the tour and discuss ways we can make things better for the players, press, and fans. You know, many athletes, sponsors have come out and supported her. We were just talking about the Calm app. Uh, it's a therapeutic app, which is actually going to come out and um, cover all of her fines from the tournament. The French committee, the French Open committee, at first, they weren't um, – they didn't stand behind her. They had a tweet or a statement that was later on deleted. But since then, they've circled back and, you know, they're making strides. Um, at first, I thought it was great. And then I really, I looked into everything, you know, it's great that someone this big can bring out and talk about mental health, but at the same time, and like we were talking about earlier, when you do something and you commit to something, you can't just drop out in the middle of it, regardless of what's going on. And I, I, I get it and I stand behind her and I wish her the best, but at the same time, I look at it from the committee's point and I see where they can't just break their rules just for this one person, because if they break it for her, then everyone's going to start doing it. And it's just, it's a tough situation all around. I hear what you're saying. 
And I understand and I agree 100% when somebody says, you know, you signed a contract, you committed to something. I'm one of those people who say you have to do your fucking job. But in this situation where it's taking a mental toll on somebody to where they can't perform their job at a high level, then no. Wouldn't you rather see an athlete out on the court or on the field or in the pool, whatever, doing what they need to at 100% versus, you know, 80% because twenty the other 20%, they're just not there mentally? Absolutely. Of course. I mean, she plays at such a high level, you know, she's ranked so high. Of course you want to see her do the best she does. And um, I think it, like, like I was saying, I think it was great. She came out, you know, mental health has really taken its own spin on things. The last five, 10 years, a lot of people have come out. Um, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, Hayden Hurst, Allie Raisman, Simone Biles, et cetera, et cetera. And um, unfortunately we've seen situations where mental health, um, especially with football players, CTE and everything like that. Um, a lot of people haven't gotten the help they need. I mean, you look at Junior Sayar or even the dude, Philip Adams, that unfortunately he killed six people and himself on April 8th. He had a standoff with the police. Um, one thing that has recently come out, the Washington football team, they hired Dr. Barbara Roberts as their first full-time director of wellness and clinical services. Uh, one in the seven in the NFL that currently have somebody like that. So I think it's great. You know, hopefully a lot more teams, a lot more agencies um, can come out and help these players. Cause you know, sometimes people just don't know how to ask for help. So I think it's, I think it's good that uh, these organizations will start stepping up and exactly. And I agree people with will start you. working you know, together. Let's go back to the whole Marshawn Lynch situation. You know, Marshawn Lynch, Great guy, great locker room guy, but he was painted as the bad guy when he had the infamous, I'm just here so I don't get fined. He he doesn't like speaking to the media. Even though he had to for the Super Bowl, he didn't want to. And the fact that people gave him such a hard time for it, he didn't come out and say, oh, you know, I got mental problems. You know, I, I don't feel comfortable talking to you guys. He kept it to himself because that's his private business. If he doesn't want to speak, he shouldn't have to speak. So now it's coming to the point where, like, should she uh, – should, should Naomi have to even come out and say this? Like the fact that she, she reached out to him. She said, Hey, I'm not going to do the press conference. They threatened to find her and suspend her. And then all of a sudden she had all this outpour of support from sports athletes, journalists, analysts, like news reporters got involved in this. Like this became a worldwide topic because mental health is such a huge thing around the world right now especially you know with social media and everything going on mm -hmm. we live in a world today where athletes are scrutinized and put under these crazy interviews versus a politician or you know a cop or anybody else nobody else is getting asked these questions like this we know more about athletes than we do our favorite actor we know more about athletes than we do our favorite musician we, we see so much more about the sports world than we do other worlds. And I, I, you know, it's gotten to the point where sometimes, you know, I think it started about like five, six years ago where there's been times where like you go on ESPN and I'm learning about domestic violence disputes and all these other problems. When I don't go on to ESPN to see that, I just want to see the scores from the game. I just want to see what's going on. I don't need to know what's going on with people's personal lives. And I don't know when that switch happened where somebody was like, oh, I need to put this story out there because this is about this player. But now it's to the point where it's just out of hand and it's ridiculous.
And uh, I think there needs to be a change. So I'm happy Naomi came out. I'm happy she received so many, so, so much support from so many different sports, like Steph Curry, John Morant, Damian Lillard, just to name a few people from the NBA who came out saying how they loved what she did and they respect it. None of these guys want to come out and talk, but they understand that they have to because they're the faces of the franchise. It's different in tennis because you're just one player. So anytime you're doing something, you need to come out and speak for yourself. But if that person is not willing to go out there because they can't perform properly, you need to just, why do I need to see them speak? Unless they win the championship, I don't have to hear them speak. Why do I, why do I care what they have to say after every match? You get what I'm saying? Like, and there's a lot of stupid questions. I know we've all seen it when, you know, you go on YouTube and you see these clips where interviewers ask athletes like the dumbest questions. Oh, you're down 3-2. Do you think your team has a chance to come back to get to a game seven? And the famous Chris Paul interview, he's like, bro, what? Like, did you really just, what do you want me to say to that? You want me to say no? Like, is that what you want to hear? Of course we're going to come back. Like, and, and I love watching that clip because it's just, it's so pointless. We, we all know what he's going to say to that. Why are you asking these stupid fucking questions? So I, I don't know, man. I, I'm in 100% support of Naomi. I hope she gets well soon. I, I wish her nothing but the best. And we all know as soon as she gets back, she's not going to stop playing. She's going to still be at that top level. You said she's number two in the world right now? Currently ranked number two. That, that's amazing. I, I think that's amazing. And the fact that she wants to make sure she stays at that competitive level, it, I think that that proves how much more she wants it. Because I don't think anybody would have just played and kept their mouth shut and just went along with it, knowing that they weren't going to compete at a high level. She didn't just do it for herself. She did it for her fans that actually care about the sport of tennis. So I didn't know this personally until I started doing a deep dive into all this research. Uh, 35% of professional athletes, this doesn't include like college athletes, high school, just professional athletes. Um, they suffer from some form of mental health crisis, which manifests as stress, eating disorders, burnouts, or depression and anxiety. So, I mean, her stepping out, I would have never known this unless – if she That's didn't say like she her, her coming out and doing this, it's opening up so many doors for so many other people because we don't, we as fans, we just see it as a game. But once again, like I said earlier, sports athletes are under more scrutiny than any other profession out there. Actors don't go through this. Musicians don't go through this. Politicians don't go through this. Like it's so crazy. The personal questions they get asked and what's off limits for other people versus athletes. And, uh, I don't blame a lot of athletes for not wanting to talk. I don't blame a, a lot of them for wanting to keep personal things to themselves. I, I honestly find it kind of ridiculous. Where do we know the, the severity of the situation? Like, so when Naomi and everything like that, she came out and like her personality and stuff like that, people have always noticed she's shy and she's reserved and she always has her headphones in to, uh, to dull everything that's going on around her. How do we know when and when an athlete tells the truth on something like this? Like, how do we not know like an athlete's going to have a bad football game or a bad basketball game and be like, oh, like my mental health's bad or I'm dealing with this right now? I mean, I, I think you have to be a real scumbag or a piece of shit to like come out and lie or fib about something like mental illness. And Absolutely. also it, it's something like her doctors have come out and talked about it. So this isn't something that just came out of nowhere. It's known that she deals with, uh, anxiety and uh, panic attacks. So it, it's it's no secret for Naomi. But I mean, if you have somebody 
and I'm just going to throw out a random name and say like Kevin Durant, somebody who's in the public eye all the time, somebody who's known for controversy with talking shit to fans and talking shit to reporters. If he came Michael out Rappaport. of nowhere and was like, oh, I'm not going to talk. And his agent's like, oh, KD's going through some mental problems. They, you know, nobody's going to believe it at that point because we've seen KD since like 2009 do all these interviews, all this crazy shit. I don't know. I don't yeah. remember what year he got drafted, but we've seen him for X amount of years do this. Naomi's been in the spotlight for a couple of years. Yeah, she's been top four since 2018. You know, she turned pro in 2013 and uh, she was newcomer of the year in 2016. So. She's and been a household name for a while. We had the pandemic in 2020 and, you know, a lot of things calmed down for a while. So for her to go from the limelight and everybody all around you and all these cameras in your face to now the world opening back up, she's being thrown back into this world where she just got a break from it. And it's, it's probably overwhelming. You know, you went, especially for, you know, keeping your social distance and like staying away from people and not having to do all this face-to-face stuff. Everything was over zoom. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's right back in your face. And I can only imagine how overwhelming that is, especially if it takes you out of your comfort zone. And when you're competing at something like the French Open, you know, it, that's not something that you could just go in and say, all right, uh, I had a bad match. Like, it's, that's not you're not playing Mario tennis out here. You're playing against the best in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else you'd like to add about the Naomi situation or mental health in the world of sports? Um, nothing really. I just, you know, I appreciate the calm app. Like we've talked about, you know, stepping up and getting in the middle of this and intervening. Hopefully it's all for good intentions, but, uh, pain or fines. It's just honestly great. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, it's great intentions uh, on their part for like, and, but they came out and said, you know, they're going to pay the fine for any athlete that refuses to do a press conference just because they know, they want to support Naomi. Like people, if other people say, okay, well, if Naomi's not going to do it, like you said, you don't want this domino effect to happen to where other people are like, all right, no, fuck it. I'm not going to talk either. Not everybody is comfortable speaking to people uh, in a public manner. I, I've never had to sit in front of paparazzi or a bunch of microphones before. So I don't know how that feels. I'm good in a public setting speaking to a bunch of people, but I wouldn't know how that would feel on a daily basis throughout the rest of my life. I don't think I can handle that. I'd probably lose my shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, it, it's kind of crazy to think about. But I will say uh, Naomi's not the only one. There's another player that we're going to um, switch the topic to, and we're going to talk about somebody who's been dealing with uh, mental health issues as well. He's come out. He's been open about it for a long time. Um, so it's no secret. Um, we're going to bring up Kyrie Irving now. Now, Kyrie Irving. He's a man who was drafted out of Duke, went to Cleveland, won a championship with LeBron against Steph Curry and the Warriors. Uh, after things not working out, he ended up coming to Boston. Things didn't go well in Boston. He got injured, and after he got injured during a preseason game, he came out and said to everybody that he was going to re-sign and he wanted to stay in Boston for years. That ended up being a lie. At the end of the same year, he ended up wanting out. He ended up going to the Brooklyn Nets. And now we just lost to the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Kyrie's made a bunch of statements coming out and saying how he feels about the city of Boston is racist, you know, that there's a lot of subtle racism and he's dealt with situations that, you know, that people don't talk about. Um, Being from the city of Boston, the both of us, we both know it's a very diverse city. Any city has its problems. I thought it was very rude and disrespectful for him to attack a whole city or to uh, just basically state, 
just because he's dealt with a couple instances, it's the whole city. And that that's pretty much what I'm seeing right now. Um, but going back to his mental health problems, you know, he sat out multiple games throughout the year. Um, he refused to travel with the team because, you know, he found a new religion. We're not going to talk. We're not going to name the religion. He found a new religion. He has new beliefs. So he's doing what's best for him and his mental well-being. Um, he got a new woman in his life. Uh, he recently just had a kid. So Kyrie has a lot of things going on for Kyrie. And as long as Kyrie's happy, I don't wish no ill will on anybody. I was happy when he was on my team. I was also very happy when he left. But I was very upset when I saw what happened with him making the comments and then coming in and then after winning the game, stomping his foot on the logo and dragging it across like he had, like he had dog shit on his foot. So it just comes into play now. What, what do you think is going on with Kyrie Irving mentally? Like, do you think he's fit to be playing in the NBA right now? Or do you think he should take a step away? Do you think things get worse with Kyrie? Especially after the comments that were made in the incident that happened. I mean, I can't see things getting worse for him. Did you see his comments after the game? Just saying, like, the city was racist and stuff like that or no no he made another statement he came out and said that he uh you know he's happy that he got to confront boston face to face and uh he believes after that series ending he believes after they won that series that everything is settled now he he thinks that's that to him he got closure with that win that's how i took his statement but i don't believe there's any closure i think when next season comes around i think things are going to get a lot worse yeah especially with the fans and everything like that um I don't think people realize how much that logo means to the city of Boston. I mean, for Christ's sakes, I have the logo tattooed on my leg, you know, yeah. like that, that logo has been around forever. And it just, it just doesn't re- represent the people. It represents every player that's been drafted by the organization. Everybody that's played for the organization, the just fans, the fans, everything, the city as a whole. I am a diehard Celtics fan. I think you know that more about me than anybody else. Um, I I grew up with Lucky's logo, that logo being in my face almost everywhere, whether it be posters, T-shirts, hats. I have Lucky everywhere in my crib. And when I saw him do that, I got so fucking mad. And it's just, I just want to know why. I want to know the reason behind it, because what do you get out of that, bro? You just sent us home. The series was over. You got to win. Congratulations. You're going on to the next round. Good luck. Like, that's what you do in sports. You won. Congratulations. You On to the next one. What was the point of doing that? Like, what do you think? What satisfaction do you think he got out of that? I took it as a, as soon as he did that, it was a fuck you. Goodbye. That's, that's yeah. what I looked at. It. Fuck you. Goodbye. That's what I saw him do. So I'm going to say this, like, Absolutely. He got what he wanted. You know, he got to beat the Celtics. He got to rub it in their face. The sweetest revenge. Scuff his fucking foot all over the logo. I'm not even mad at him. I'm mad at the Celtics players for not fucking checking him on the logo. You know, Cedric. uh, Hold on a second real quick before you go on to Cedric's comments, right? The game was already over. Yeah. The Celtics players were already heading towards the exit. So for them not checking him. I don't really blame them because the game is over. What do you expect them to do at this point? But so so yeah, so they they were heading out. Um, they were interviewed afterwards, and they should have came out and fucking been like, "That's just unacceptable." All right. So during the whole thing, uh, Cedric Maxwell he saw Kyrie step on Lucky, and he immediately said, "Oh no, he didn't. It had nothing to do with the competition. 
not for you to go wipe your feet on the logo. You played a great game. You won. What is the point? What really is the point? Like I said, Kyrie is a great player. Why the classless act? And he also reached out to an old player that he played against in the playoffs. Somebody that he fought, he legit fought in the playoffs. And when he asked him about that, he said there was no place in sports for that kind of reaction. Kyrie was very disrespectful for doing that. So when you have old rivals agreeing on something, that says something. And I know a lot of other players came out and said comments. KG came out when everybody was talking about the Boston Celtics fan. KG was the only one who came out and said, so nobody's going to talk about Kyrie stepping on the logo. Yeah. I, I thought that was funny. And then Richard Jefferson out of all people came out of nowhere and tried to defend Kyrie by saying, KG, you of all people have no right to say that because you disrespected so many peoples. So I hate when people do that because we're talking about one single situation. Why are you bringing up this man's past? He's been retired for years. He just made it to the hall of fame, but you're going to bring up his past because he's talking about a team. He just thanked in his hall of fame speech. Come on, man. Like Richard Jefferson, we know you want to ring with Kyrie and the Cavs, Congratulations, bro. But mind your fucking business and shut the fuck up. Like, hmm. speak on the subject. Don't don't change the subject. Speak on the subject. And that's the problem of the world we live in today is when we bring up one thing or if you did one bad thing in the past, people try to outweigh all that bad. I mean, all weigh all the good with just that one bad thing you did. And I, that, that really grinds my gears. That shit pisses me off. So fuck you, Richard Jefferson. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> did you see Big Baby's comments? I did. Big Baby said... Like I said, you step on lucky, you step on everybody that played for the team. Keep blank basketball before somebody get hurt in real life. That was uncalled for. Very uncalled for. How Cedric Maxwell made his statement, how KG made his statement, they said in a very respectful way, questioning why Kyrie did what he did. They didn't attack him. They didn't say anything rude or disrespectful. They just called it like they saw it. Big baby. Of all people, had no reason to say what he said. And I, I, mean, understood, big- I understood his reaction, but he could have worded it better. And then I loved KD's reply where it's just a bunch of la- laughing emojis. Yeah. Hey, really, nigga? Because we all know Big Baby ain't really going to do nothing. And then, and then Big Baby made another reply. <laughs> it, it's been a beautiful thing in the world of sports. And I, I'm happy that people talked about it, but um, it is very upsetting. Uh, that that shit had to go down. So a little bit about this this uh this whole thing with the fan that threw the water bottle, quarter filled water bottle. You know he's he didn't being even char- hit Kyrie by the way. So he didn't. He's being charged with assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. He's had he's received a lifetime ban from the Garden that includes the Bruins, the Celtics, and any any sort of concert that plays there or event. Um, I was glad to see it. I was glad to see someone do something. You know, the shit that happened with Trey Young and Russell Westbrook was completely unacceptable. They didn't do anything. Fucking, it, it was just exactly. Those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts exactly. But for Kyrie to disrespect all of Boston in Boston, right in front of them, absolutely. He, it, you, he asked for it. You and lit a few to say that the fan is an asshole or an idiot or he's an ignorant racist. Grow the fuck up. The guy so, just disrespected the city after beating him. Those are upset fans, and then he just made it worse. He basically just once again said goodbye, 
fuck you right to everybody in the city. And that guy, all he did was throw a quarter filled water bottle and didn't even hit the guy. And now mm-hmm. he probably ruined his life. I don't yeah. think, I don't think he should have threw the bottle. If anything, he could have just screamed Kyrie, fuck you, Kyrie, you're a bitch. He could have said anything he wanted to. He didn't have to throw the bottle. But the fact that charges are being pressed and that he's getting charged with assault with a deadly weapon. Come on, man. It's not that deep. It's not that serious. If anything, the people, you know, who dumped the popcorn on Russell Westbrook and and spit on Trey Young, those people should be charged with something because those guys didn't warrant anything to reserve those kind of replies. They didn't do anything disrespectful. They didn't cross the line. Kyrie crossed the line. He got what was coming for him. Thankfully, it was just a tossed water bottle that didn't even hit him because I think it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. I just want to touch on something real quick because, you know, Kyrie talking about the racial undertones of Boston and all this other stuff. We talked about this previous in the week. You know, the Boston Celtics, who were founded in 1946, were the first franchise to draft a black player in 1950, first franchise to have a black head coach, and they were the first franchise to have an all-black starting five. 100%. So saying that Boston's racist, the organization's racist, is just – Uncalled for. And those are the comments I made to you because I got really pissed off that people are legit on social media saying that the Boston Celtics organization is racist. That is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. The NBA is predominantly black. That that that's that's just that's no secret. That's a fact. We all we all know that. And the Celtics were the team who started that. They were the ones who started that. And thank God for Red Arbach and what he did with Bill Russell. And Bill Russell, I'm happy this man's still alive, but I'm also sad he had to see what Kyrie Irving did. And I'm surprised I didn't see him make any statements on the situation. If he did, I didn't see it. Um, but I thought that was a very disrespectful thing to, like Jalen Brown said, when Kyrie made his comments about Boston, he did it right before a playoff game. Yeah. Very unnecessary, very disrespectful. It was not called for. There was no reason for the comments because nothing had happened up to that point for that to be talked about. He just came out and said it. And I loved how Jalen Braun responded saying, it's not just a Boston thing. It's, it's a world thing and everybody has some work to do. And I agree with that. People do have work to do, but we live in a world where, you know, people, they say shit, they fuck up. You can forgive and forget. You can move on. Obviously if you cross the line, something should happen. Absolutely. If it's just something as small as throwing a water bottle, get the fuck over it. There are bad people everywhere of all colors, creeds. There's always bad apples and everything. hundred percent. It just is what it is. You can't fix everyone. So speaking of idiot fans, we're going to go on to the name of our show, Angry Fans. And, and I'm, once again, I'm loving all the energy I'm seeing everywhere. Um, don't cross the line. Don't spit on people. Don't, don't throw shit. Don't dump shit on people. Bring the signs. Throw up the middle finger. Yell, fuck you. I want to see all yeah. those clips because we see it all anyway. If you're going to get into a fight with fans in the crowd, get into a fight in the fan of the crowd, but leave the players alone, man. They're there yeah. for our enjoyment. They're there to put on a show for us. Like they're there doing their jobs. And I think it's crazy that Russell Westbrook had to come out and say that, you know, I'm just trying to do my job. He shouldn't have to say what he's doing. We all know what he's doing. And not just that, you know, you're not going to do anything in person. Like yeah, the best so, thing know, I especially, saw, especially to one of these professional athletes, you could talk all the shit in the world. As soon as you get in front of them, you're not going to say anything. If anything, you're going to ask for an autograph. Can you sign this for me? Can you? So, can I get this? So the best thing I saw, so recently uh, 
Paul Felder retired from the UFC. And there was a fan that tweeted, oh, you should stick to commentating. And Paul Felder was like, really? Would you say that to my face? And he goes, no, because you kicked the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and that's awesome because that's a good quick banter. And, and not yeah. only that, that's how cool is that, that like he replied to him and then the yeah. man got another reply. Like, so we all know like there's most of the shit people say, they're not going to say it to their face. I mean, when I, when I critique people, or I talk to people, I speak about it from a fan's perspective, not from a player's perspective. Cause I'm not in that respective profession. I can only speak on what I know. Um, but I would never disrespect. Somebody. I'm not a LeBron James fan, but I respect the man because I know how good he is. Um, I was never a Kobe Bryant fan, but I respect the man for the legend that he was when he played, but I'm not going to disrespect those players. Um, but going back to what I was talking about with the angry fans. So recently in game four of Philly versus Washington, a fan was seen running onto the court and was tackled by a special police force. And then he was arrested. He has been since then banned from the arena and is being um, pursued with charges with the local police force. What are, what are your thoughts on this? And it seemed like it was all in good fun. Bradley Beal and all the players got a good laugh out of it. But after the game, their comments showed otherwise. They were not happy with it at all. So what do you think about that situation? Something so harmless where nobody gets hurt and it's fun. We don't know what was going to happen. That's correct. All we saw is him start to run on the court. We don't know. He wasn't streaking. Um, did, did anything push towards him hurting any players? Because I saw it because, like, it was such a quick camera view where dude just got tackled. Like, yeah, there and wasn't that's the like, thing. And, and then the guy was all smiles and he threw up his hands like, yeah, like to celebrate yeah, yeah. the crowd. And like I said, the players were laughing. The fans were cheering. So it was like a fun moment. I mean, once again, he probably ruined his life over it. But, you know, he got his so 15 my, seconds of fame. My biggest thing is when no one gets hurt and it's all fun and games and none of the players are touched or none of the fans are hurt, anything like that, it should just be a lifetime ban. It should just be a lifetime ban. There should be no criminal charges. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't, like, really, you know, mess up the game or anything like that. Just kick him out, lifetime ban from the arena. That should be it. I don't even think you should get a lifetime ban for that. Like, I think that one was a little excessive. I mean, come on. I mean, he's already going to get charges pressed against him from the from the police department. Like, he doesn't need to be banned. Like, worst comes to worst, pay like a $100 fine or something. I don't even do community service where you have to be that popcorn vendor or something. Do something. <laughs> I, I don't I don't I, I think it'd be worse I, to be out of game handing out popcorn and not being able to say enjoy it than fucking be banned. You, like, you should be the, you should be the dude carrying the heaviest shit up yeah, and down yeah. the stairs. Popcorn yeah. or nuts. Get your yeah. nuts. <laughs> you know i think that i think like come on and, and then everybody can still seem like oh you're the guy who got tackled like yeah yeah, yeah. you want some nuts like stupid shit <laughs> but i right, dress up know, as a mascot that that's the shit we love to see and i was happy to see that because i thought it was a good moment um it upset the players unfortunately but i did think that was a funny moment but all right man we're, we're done with the lighthearted stuff. Now we're going to go into more dark shit. You know, once again, we love the fans fucking around doing dumb shit, you know, for our amusement. But, you know, once again, we have those fans that are crossing the line. You know, the Trey Young situation, very disrespectful. You should never spit on anybody, regardless of what they do. Um, the Russell Westbrook situation, getting popcorn dumped on him, very disrespectful. It should never happen. We shouldn't even have to talk about it. Unfortunately, families can't even enjoy their kids who are playing in the league's games anymore. Um, so this is a very unfortunate event. In game two of Memphis versus Utah, the Memphis Grizzlies were visiting. Um, John Morant's family was in presence at the game. 
And during the game, they had three fans harassing them, yelling out lewd and racist comments because they were supporting Ja and the Memphis Grizzlies during the game. Um, since then, the owner has come out and apologized. He tried to, you know, get him a hotel, offer to pay for the tickets, fly out to friends and family for game five when they came back in. His mom declined. She was appreciative of the offer, but she did not feel comfortable going back because of her anxiety. So now we have athletes who, who want their, their parents, you know, they, they work their whole lives to get their parents in. Like if you or me made it to the league, we would make sure that you're there. We want to make sure our parents are there to see us, support us. People should be able to go to any arena and have their family cheer for them without any disrespect thing, disrespectful shit happening. What, what are your thoughts on what happened to John Moran's parents? I'm a big TikToker, right? So I see a lot of stuff on TikTok. And it looked like John Moran's parents did have a good time with some of the fans. They um, did. They, his daddy even came out and said, you know, it sucks because there was only a bad few. The rest like, of the fans yep. were cheering with us. They were happy. Everybody was having a good time. And it was just three assholes who had to ruin the night. Yeah. So and, it's unfortunate. You know, like you said earlier, you know, there's good people and there's bad people. All there's always a, a bad bunch out of the whole lot. Yeah. You know, it's just unfortunate that they had to experience that. There's always bad apples everywhere you go. It, it just sucks, you know. It's very unfortunate. It's nice that you know, Utah's uh owner and everything reached out and tried to cover everything and stuff like that. I love that he banned the fans. You know, yeah, it, like we talked about the dude who ran out to the court. I don't think he should have been banned. If you want to yell out lewd and racist remarks at somebody and then not even realize it's a player's parents, like how dumb do you feel after that? Yeah, like you're a piece of shit, dude. Like, what are you doing? Uh, you're going to watch the game, not yell at at black people just because absolutely. you don't think they should be there. Um, <laughs> but no, um, in all seriousness, you know, with thing op- with things opening up and you know more capacity is going to be allowed at all these games and arenas. Do you see things getting worse? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Everybody's been cooped up so long because of this COVID bullshit that, uh, you know, football's right around the corner. In football stadiums, like, we see the baseball brawls and we see all this, but NFL fans, I always feel like, are a lot more ruthless, a lot more worse. The, the battles and the brawls, whether it's out tailgating, because these people tailgate before the games and stuff, unlike these other sports – I just feel like this whole year is going to be – it's it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Right now we're going to talk about the NBA playoff picture. So recently we have the Nets knock out the Celtics, the 76ers knock out the Wizards, the Jazz beat the Grizzlies, the Hawks beat the Knicks, and just a few minutes ago the Denver Nuggets just knocked out the Portland Trailblazers. And then right now the, the Suns and the Lakers are playing, so we'll find out tonight who moves on or if that series continues. Uh, but to go back into it, the Suns just recently beat the Lakers by 30. By 30 fucking points. It was so embarrassing that LeBron James left the court with about five minutes left to go in the game. With LeBron James being the face of the NBA, with his team down, I understand that the game's over and there's no chance of going back. You have no chance of fighting back into this game. I even understand that he possibly got a little bumped up and needed to go back to get checked out. Do you think there's any excuse for this man to have left that court? 
Absolutely not. It just shows your team you're giving up on them. Even if you're losing. I agree 100%. Like, you're just bringing morale even down. You're bringing it down even more. You know, LeBron's in a place he's never been before. I, I call him a bum. You call him a flop. But uh, this is the first time he trails in the first round series, game five or later. And this is the first time he's lost consecutive games in a, in a first round. So he's in a place he's never been before. I don't know if he's frustrated, he's on a hurt team, just everything. But you just can't leave the court, especially with a couple minutes left. Yeah, I mean, sit there and, and watch the game. And another thing that really pisses me off with the whole Lakers team, Anthony Davis the other day pulled his groin. Yeah. Uh, why the fuck was he at the game, and why was he warming up before the game? If the man pulled his groin, nobody's going to come back from injury within 48 hours. Like, pulling a groin is a serious thing. And I'm not saying he couldn't be ready to come back tonight. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if Anthony Davis is playing tonight. I haven't seen – I didn't see anything announcing that he wasn't going to play yet. So, I'm I'm waiting on the update on that, and I will update the chat as soon as that happens. But why why the fuck would you have Anthony A. Davis travel with the team and then warm up before the game knowing he's not playing? So, I mean, they were testing out his mobility and everything like that. And the only reason he didn't play in uh, game five was he couldn't move laterally without being in full pain. And that's when he didn't get cleared. So the only reason he didn't play in the game was because medical staff didn't clear him. Anthony Davis is playing tonight. But I respect that, you know, like that's the difference between him and LeBron right now. LeBron leaves the court and this dude's doing everything to try to get back on the court even working, doing a pre-workout before the fucking game. That's because everybody knows, I've said it many times, and I'll say it again, if Anthony Davis is not playing, the L.A. Lakers have no chance. But all these LeBron James fans just believe he's still the true king of the yeah. NBA and that if he ha- if he's playing, then they have a chance. I'm sorry, but if LeBron was out and AD's still playing, I still think they have a chance to win without LeBron. That's just how I personally feel. Now, this Lakers team as a whole, I don't think they would go far. Do I think they can still yeah. beat the Suns with, with just Anthony Davis? Yes, I do. Do I think they can compete for a finals or in the championship? No, I'm not saying that whatsoever. I do think they can make it out of the first round, though. That's how I'm looking at it. But I will mm. say I've made it, I made it uh, this mention before. DeAndre Ayton is playing at a historic level right now. This guy is, is on another level. And even with Anthony Davis playing, nobody can compete with him. He, he is just putting in so much work. Um, I saw a stat earlier today that in the last 35 years, the only players with 75-plus points, 50-plus rebounds are the first four career playoff games, and this is his first playoff series. He's still a young guy. The only people who have put up those numbers is Shaq, David Robinson, and Patrick Ewing. Now uh, DeAndre Ayton is on that list. So the future is bright for this guy, and the fact that he's already teamed up with Devin Booker, I'm so excited to see the future of this team. I'm not a Suns fan, but I love to see mm-hmm. teams compete. And I do think the Suns are going to beat the Lakers, and I hope to see them go further, not only for Chris Paul's sake, but for the experience for Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden. I, I want to see these guys do well. LeBron James has played Absolutely. his worst playoff game ever. He had his worst plus-minus ever. He ended the game with a negative 24. 
it was just all around bad, man. I don't know if you watched the game or if you saw the highlights. They could not buy a bucket. Like, mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much money they have. They could back up the Brinks truck. They could not buy a bucket. And it, I think a huge part of that is with Anthony Davis off the court. You know, he opens up the whole floor. And when he was gone, they had no playmakers. So what LeBron's trying to do it all. But when you know it's just LeBron, you got nobody else to pass. You need other people to step up, like Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma didn't do anything. Uh, you have Torin Hucker, who's another young guy, um, but they they played him too late, so they had no chance. And I'm not I'm not trying to keep talking about the Lakers because I'm not a Lakers fan and I, I'm not a LeBron James fan, but it's just funny to me when you have the supposed best player in the world play one of his worst games and he just walks mm-hmm. away with five minutes left to go in the game. I just thought that was very disrespectful. I was upset for Lakers fans. Yeah, there's so much hype behind this guy too. So much, so much. And uh, there's another L.A. team struggling. Luca does it again. Yeah. Almost drops a damn near triple-double. And now both Lakers teams are down in a series. We'll find out what happens with that series tomorrow. But right now, both as of now, before this Lakers-Suns game ends, uh, both L.A. teams are down two to three. So while this game's going on, I know you're not looking at the stats. Do you see either of these L.A. teams? Because, once again, Anthony Davis is playing tonight. Do you see either of these L.A. teams coming back to win the series? I can't. And, like, the only reason I can't is Luka's been absolutely lights out. He's in a league of his own right now. And I've gone over stats. Like, you look, game one, 31 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Game two, 39 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Game three, 44 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. Game four, 19.6 rebounds, six assists. And then game five, 42 points, eight rebounds, 14 assists. This guy's in a league of his own. He's an absolute beast. The only – so I see them beating the Clippers. The only biggest thing is, do you see Luka continuing this pace? Do you think – because this is insane. Yes. He's like – I saw something earlier like, Something with him and Jordan, like it took them both um, 11 games to get four 40-point games in the playoffs. So part of the reason why I think Luka can continue on this pace is because he has the ultimate green light. And even in the games they lost, he still played well. Luka is not a guy where you see have a terrible game. And when he does have a terrible game, it's not. It's still somebody's best game of the year. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, so, it's insane. He, he right now he has a good supporting cast. I made the comments in you know past episodes where I said I don't think that they had a chance to win, but that was because I didn't think Luca was ready. I know Luca has all the talent in the world. I've made comments saying I think Luca has a chance to be the face of the NBA in a couple of years. I think he has a chance to be the best player in the NBA a couple of years, competing against players like Zion Williamson, Jason Tatum, Lamella Ball. We'll, we'll see all these guys compete for years, and I'm excited. Um, Devin Booker, you know, there's so many other people that I can name, but Luca is doing everything right now. He's putting his team on his back and he is putting in the work and effort and showing everybody that he could do it. I'm not even gonna lie. I can't compare it to the 2011, um, Dallas Mavericks because the 2011 Dallas Mavericks had an all around great team. It wasn't just Dirk, but what I'm seeing Luca do is Dirk ish. If that makes sense. Yeah. He's basically saying I'm fucking here doesn't matter what you do I'm going to score on you you can't stop me and and I'm enjoying the shit out of the Luca show uh, it's very entertaining and the fact that he's so young amazes me like all these young players that are doing so good it, it's a beautiful thing cuz we didn't ha- we haven't seen this 
since back 2003, 2007, between those four years. It's been so long since we've had young guys come in and just take over. And, and I'm excited about that. All right, just jump back into it, man. Right now, just a quick update on the Suns uh, Lakers game. We have the Suns up 14 to 5. Jay Crowder is three for three from the three point line with nine points coming in and clutch. So if, if they keep playing on this pace, especially with Jay Crowder finally shooting good because he's been struggling throughout the series, um, the Lakers could be in some trouble. But uh, going back to what I wanted to talk about on Tuesday night in game five of the Portland Trail Blazers uh, versus the Denver Nuggets, I witnessed Damian Lillard put on one of the best playoff performances I've ever seen. That game ended up going to double overtime. The Blazers ended up still losing in the end because – these guys were just balling. But for him to hit a clutch three, send the game to overtime, hit another clutch three, send the game to, to double overtime, it was just fucking incredible. He set an, uh, a record for playoffs for NBA threes. He hit 12 uh, on the night. He shot amazing. He ended with 55 points. Dame time is a real thing. And I think he's now solidified himself. He's done it over and over and again for years now. I think he solidified himself as probably the most clutch shooter of all time. Now, I'm a huge Steph Curry fan, and Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. But I think Dame has solidified himself as the most clutch shooter of all time. Um, real quick, what are your thoughts on that? Did you see the highlights of that game? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, they're out of the playoffs, you know. Yep, it is unfortunate. I mean, Denver had the better team. That's all it is. Yeah, it's just – it sucks, you know. They still lost 147 to 140, um, 55 points. The dude's an absolute monster. His name's been big for years. Um, it just blows. I have to say, uh, for Damian Lillard, you know, we all see the Hulu has live sports advertisements, and they're just – he's just throwing money everywhere. Um, but the fact that this man actually has a watch sponsorship – and his thing is Dame time. Like that, to me, that is the greatest pairing besides Jordan and the Jumpman logo. You know, like like when you think of Jordan, you think of the Jumpman logo. When I think of Dame time, I think of the wrist and I think of watches. When I think of a, a buzzer beater, I think of this. I, I just think of this every single time. And it's amazing to me. And uh, I, I really would like to see the Boston Celtics make a move and bring Damian Lillard to Boston. I don't think Portland gives up on them, but at the same time, we were talking about two different teams that need to blow up and make changes. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up, I'm going to go and do another subject real quick. Danny Ainge decided to step down and walk away from the Boston Celtics and the Celtics organization, which Brad Stevens came out and did an interview yesterday. He said that it was decided weeks ago that he was going to fulfill the position and take the role of president of basketball operations. So now Brad Stevens taking over as the role of GM and him, the same guy who's been a coach for the last eight years. I think he knows better than anybody um, what we need to do to make the team a championship caliber team, especially since the fact before this postseason, we've been to the NBA, we've been to the Eastern conference finals three of the last five years. So we've done it. We've, we've got there. We just haven't been able to get over that final hurdle. Now that Brad Stevens is becoming the GM, do you think he can get us over that hurdle? and get us to that championship team? It depends on who he hires, to be honest with you. But um, it's really interesting. He's been – like you said, he's been with the franchise for eight years. 
but he's got no executive experience. None whatsoever. So, none whatsoever. I but mean, you got to understand he's worked very close with Danny these last eight, these I, past eight years. So I, I, I think that. this has been in play for a long time. I think with him turning down all those college offers he's received in the last couple of years, the Celtics knew that they wanted him to be the next guy up, especially since yeah. Brad's still young. Danny's been in that position for years, for mm-hmm. so long. So for Brad to be still such a young guy and for him to say, no, I'm a Celtic, like I'm not going anywhere. When he made yeah. those comments early in the year, I didn't think this is what I was going to be seeing. But what now he, it makes so much sense. I think said, everybody knew this was going to be the next heir apparent in Boston's organization. But we're just now finding out his fans. So yeah. as, are you happy with the move? I mean, he says 18th banner or die trying. So I'm happy. I, 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 I would just like... That. You know, is the fourth most winning uh, Celtics coach. I would just like like to have him build around Jason Tatum. I would like him have to bring in the players, see who they want to hire, who they, you know, just get their voice and their opinion on it. I've heard a couple names throughout the um, past day or two. Jason Kidd, who's currently the Lakers assistant coach. Lloyd Pierce, who's the Hawks head coach. Carl Lawson, who actually worked with Marcus Smart on his shooting. She was a Celtics assistant, and she's currently the Duke's women's basketball coach. And then I've seen a couple um, dark horses in this. You know, Jawan Howard, Howard, Fab Five, you know, played for a long time, uh, coaches in Michigan right now. Sam Cassell, the Q-tip, and then uh, Chauncey Billups. I think out of all those people you named, I honestly think Sam Cassell has the best chance of getting the role because he's worked with the organization. Um, a lot of people don't realize that. And I also believe a lot of people don't look at this as guy as an option, but Walter McCarty, another guy who has worked with the team for years. And uh, if, if you're not a Celtics fan, you probably don't remember the name Walter McCarty. Um, he played back in the day with Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. Um he was one of my favorite players on the Celtics. So, you know, he's worked with the organization for a long time as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he got given a chance, but I do think Sam Cassell has the best chance to be our coach. If you asked who I would want to see get hired, uh, I would love to see it be KG. Don't think it would happen, but I think that would be. He's already, he already said no. No, I, yeah, I already know that's not going to happen. I know he plans on working with A-Rod and things going over in Minnesota. So I already know he's not in a position to come help. That's just who I would love to see mm-hmm. come to Boston. Um, I wanted to see him as the GM, but now that that's not happening, I think coach would have been fun because um, I would love to see him on the sidelines getting more amped up than the players. I mean, come on, talk about motivation. I think that would be fucking ass. Uh, Mark Jackson, um, I loved what he did with Golden State with that rebuild and helping him get to the position. Everybody gives Steve Kerr all the credit, but he's the one who helped Steph Curry become the man that he is today. Uh, he's the one who helped Clay become the man he is, Draymond become the man that he is. Uh, we saw that Warriors team go from nothing to something and become a dynasty. And uh, he got taken away from it right when everything got good. Uh, so I think Mark Jackson would be a good guy to bring into the Celtics organization and get this team built right. Um, and like I said, just built right. Like if they think if they like, just give the guy a chance. I don't think he should be on the sideline commentating games. I think he should be a head coach in the league. Um and if it's not going to be Mark Jackson, my dream hire, because I know they bring up Lloyd Pierce, the guy from Atlanta, Tom Thibodeau. To me, Tom Thibodeau should be our head coach. I couldn't think of a better player, better player coach than Tibbs 
coming back to Boston. You know, he was the assistant head coach back in 2008 with Doc Rivers when we won the championship. He went on to coach the Chicago Bulls, work with Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah, Luol Deng, and them boys, become the number one team in the league, competing with the Miami Heat Big Three when LeBron went down to South Beach. Um, and for years, held it down in Chicago. And when he left, Chicago fell apart. He went over to Minnesota. Things didn't work out there. Now he's with the New York Knicks, and he just had a first-round exit. So if somehow we're able to get Tom Thibodeau back in Boston, I think he would be the perfect man for the job, 100%. To me, so like I said, I would love KG, but we know it's not going to happen. So I'm putting Tom Thibodeau, and after Tom Thibodeau, I'm going to put Mark Jackson. My third choice would be Sam Cassell. So I've seen a lot of things come out, like I was saying, with all these these names or coaches. Um, I've seen Brad Stevens and Brian Scalabrini, Scalabrini the White Mamba, uh, make comments about this girl, Carol Lawson. Uh, Brad Stevens said she'd be a prime candidate. And then Brian Scalabrini came out and said on NBC Sports Boston, says he knows the Celtics think she's unbelievable. Could, could you see? That's could cool, you though, but if they – if they bring her in, I mean, I would want somebody with head coaching experience. I don't need another rebuild project. I Absolutely. You see, like, um, how the Celtics have, like, in the past, and this is one of the biggest things, one of the articles I saw, how they've broken the racial barrier, you know, drafting the first black player, the first black starting five. You think they would and give the first female coach a head, uh, head coaching job in the NBA? That's what – everybody's leaning towards and there's a lot so of fans if, if that's that going to be the situation I, and, and no disrespect to this woman i would much rather see becky hammond get the job and i've heard her name too she's the she's down with san antonio right now and she's done great things with san antonio when popovich yeah. sat out a few games she was the head coach and i saw her do good things working with tim duncan of course Yep. And I haven't heard anybody name Tim Duncan at all either. Cause like, I love, I love Tim Duncan's game. I think he'd be a great player to, to bring in as a first time head coach. I'm not a fan of Jason Kidd. I saw what he did with the Nets. I saw what he's doing in LA and I, I don't think he's ready. I'm, so I, I don't think he's ready whatsoever. You do, So speaking of Jason Kidd, out of the four full seasons he had between the Nets and the Bucks, he made the playoffs three times and then, don't you think he'd be like a good mentor for, you know, Marcus Smart and Jalen no. Brown and Jason Tate? Not at all. I think he'd be a good mentor. Do I think he'd be a good coach? No. So, so if, you want, if you want to bring him on as an assistant, as an assistant coach, assistant, by, him, gotcha. by all means. Yep. I, I don't want him as the head coach running the show because, yeah, you're right. He did have that Brooklyn Nets team, but look at the players he had. He did have the Milwaukee Bucks team, and I thought it was unfair that he lost his position with the Milwaukee Bucks, especially right before Giannis started becoming an MVP. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it was only a few years ago that he was the head coach of the Bucks. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very unfortunate cause you know, just like Mark Jackson, I thought right before things were getting good, he got taken away from that role. And I, I just think that's unfair. You know, you have somebody go through all the shit and then they, they bring you up, they hold your head above water. And then you're just like, all right, thank you. We're not drowning anymore. Deuces. We'll, we'll worry about it ourselves now. And I just think that's very shitty. But once again, I don't want Jason Kidd as the head coach. I think it will be cool. And I think it will bring more people mm -hmm. into the arena because it's Jason Kidd. Yep. Um, but once again, I, I would much rather see uh, Tom Thibodeau, Mark Jackson. Um, I would even rather see Becky Hammond. Yeah, if that's the situation, I would much rather see Becky Hammond because she's been around 
basketball for so long. She's been with the San Antonio Spurs for years. I've seen her win games without Popovich on the sideline. I know she knows what she's doing. And I couldn't think of a better person uh, in a situation because she's been under the, she's been learning under the best. I don't think it's any secret. We all think Greg Popovich is the best NBA coach probably of all time. Mm-hmm. That That's just my personal opinion. I, I grew up watching the Celtics, but I saw the Spurs and how they competed against the Lakers and everybody else in the West and how they were able to hold up. And Popovich has been doing it for so long. He's worked with Team USA, and Becky Hammond's learning from that guy. Going so forward, do you think they should build solely around Jason Tatum or a different player? So I get asked this question a lot, especially from people who hate the Celtics. Um I don't think it's just Jason Tatum that you need to build around. I think it's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. And now you have this young guy, uh, Pritchard, who I love. I, I think he's, he has a future in this league. He was putting up numbers that not even Steph Curry put up in his rookie year. So th- I think the guy has nothing but room to grow. And I'm happy he's working behind a point guard like Kemba and playing with somebody like Marcus Smart. So he gets to learn how to play properly on offense, shoot when he needs to, pass when he needs to, but also have that hungriness on defense to compete. And I've seen that out of the rookie. Uh, But also this young guy, Robert Williams, I I think you need to focus around those four guys. I think those are going to be your core guys moving forward. Um, I like other guys like Romeo Langford, um, but I think it's time for uh, Marcus Smart to go. Um, I think it's time for Yabuselli to go. There's a lot of players. Like I said, besides the four players I just named, um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, Pritchard. I think everybody else needs to go. You, you need to you need to cut them, trade them, release them. You need to make some kind of moves. You need to make major moves. I don't care about Grant Williams. I like Robino Langford, but I think you could trade him and get a draft pick for the future, or um, trade him for another player that can help out the team now, bring in more veterans. Kemba needs to go. They they all need to go, man. Um, so that that's just my personal opinion. Now, I, since we're speaking on the players, we're going to bring up Jason Tatum right now. Jason Tatum, the man, had one hell of a year, uh, became an all-star. He's a candidate for the All-NBA uh, first team, so that's fucking amazing. Uh, he had a career year. Um, he set a career highs in points at 26.4, rebounds at 7.4, and assists at 4.3. Um And in the NBA playoffs against the Brooklyn Nets, he averaged over 30 points per game playing against the the favorite to win the finals, going up against James Harden, KD, Kyrie. Jason Tatum helped us win at least one game so we didn't get swept, dropping 50 points on the biggest show on earth. I I think it's kind of ridiculous and disrespectful that a lot of people are questioning his leadership, saying that um, he has a quiet and uh, a slow demeanor and that he's not vocal on the court and he doesn't show that he wants to be there. A lot of people are questioning his uh, his effort and enthusiasm in Boston. Do you think he should be more vocal, or do you think Jason Tatum does enough with his play on the court? I mean, the man had three, three games over 30 points. You know, he had a game where he had 32 points, 40, 50. Um, you know, clearly he's putting up the numbers. Like you said, they're all career highs. Um Every Some year guy, he's got better, by the way. It's yeah, not just this year. Every year he's improved. And he's he's only 23. Exactly. And some dudes aren't built like that, you know? It's tough. 
you you like your leader to be able to talk and gain like gather but everybody he, around and be and able he to does push. do that, but, but he, he does, does it behind closed doors in the locker room mm-hmm. with when he's with them. But he's not yelling at these guys on the court. On the court, he's the uh, he's the epitome of a team player. Absolutely. And I see nothing but smiles. And even when things are going down, people are still trying to pump each other up and work with each other. I, you, there was some times where you saw frustration on the court, but that was when Kyrie was here. Yeah. Kyrie is gone now, and things have been smooth sailing in Boston ever since. And and some dudes don't respond well to getting yelled at. No, like, no I can't. No. I I can't see Marcus Smart. You know, Jason Tatum yelling at Marcus Smart, and Marcus Smart taking that well, or Jalen Brown taking it well, or et cetera, et cetera. Like it just. Some teams are just different. Some players are just different. Some leadership roles are just different. Yeah, I honestly believe Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of the team. Um, when he's on the court, they're a completely different team to when he's out. And you can just see the energy, and he gets everybody going, um, whether it's him diving for a ball, blocking a shot, or even doing some bullshit flop um, to get an uh, offensive charge. You know, Marcus Smart, to me – is another leader on the team that, you know, I, I think we have multiple leaders on the team, but I just think everything's falling on Jason Tatum's shoulders because he's the star of the team. Um, and not to take anything away from Jalen Brown, because I think Jalen Brown is incredible as well. They both had similar numbers throughout the entire year. And we all know Kemba's the veteran, but Kemba's not putting up these numbers like these guys are. Do you question Jason Tatum's leadership? Do you think he's a good leader? No, I mean, I haven't heard anything bad about him. Besides the fans fucking giving them shit and everything, but yeah. none do you of his think teammates, that's uncalled for. Or do you think they have a right to do it? I mean, if his teammates came out and like, oh, this dude's not doing enough, or so on and so forth, then yeah. But like, for the fans just to call it out, no. Like, I, I don't, I don't agree with it. I think Jason Tatum's a fine leader if his teammates stand by him. You know what I think it is. I think. You know, because, you know, us being Boston sports fans, I think we've been spoiled. You know, we, we watched Tom Brady for over 20 years. You know, he, the guy is nice, calm, cool, and collected behind the microphone. But as soon as he's on the field, he's a fucking monster. And if you fuck up, he calls you out on it. And he, he, he just tears you apart. Um, but you also see Brady, you know, be the good guy. You know, if people fuck up, he, he'll go over there and he'll tell you what you did wrong and what to do to get it better. Like, um, it, the Boston Red Sox, you know, you saw Jason Veritek be that guy, yell at people. Even um, David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Our fucking city. Um, Dustin Pedroia, um, whenever he tried, you know, when we had David Price and all those guys here, you know, we, you had, we've seen these guys step up and show and tell what it is to be a leader. Um, and once again, Jason Tatum's very young. I could see in the next year or two, him like stepping up and like just strong arm in the competition. But as of now, I, I have no problem with how he's handled the situation, especially since, like, you know, with Kyrie leaving um, and now Brad stepping away from a head coach, I think next season it's going to be a new opportunity for him to step into that role and say, all right, now I'm the guy on the court. This is what the fuck's going to happen. By the way, Joel Embiid got hurt, but we don't care. <laughs> I mean, real quick, the 76ers are completely screwed without them. Yeah, we Dude. all know we all know um, Joel Embiid is one of the best players in the league. We all think he's probably going to compete with Jokic for the MVP. I think Jokic wins the MVP, especially after the performance he just put up against Damian Lillard and the Blazers. Um, but Joel Embiid was the number two running guy all year behind uh, Jokic, 
Yep. And uh, without Joel Embiid, the 76ers have no chance. Uh, I, I don't see it happening. So um, it's unfortunate, but you know, the same shit, different year. So Trey Young's been firing on all cylinders. You know, he shut up the New York Knicks. Spike Lee took the bow in Madison Square Garden. Do you think he could beat Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and the 76ers next round with the young? Atlanta Hawks team. If yes, and, and the reason why Ben Simmons, one of the best defenders in the league, a lot of people don't talk about it because they always want to talk about how he doesn't shoot the ball. Tobias Harris is another great athlete and one of the most underrated players in the league. And a lot of people don't give Tobias Harris his, his due. They always talk about Ben Simmons and uh, Joel Embiid, but Tobias Harris is a huge part of that team as well. Um, they also have Danny Green, my guy out of UNC, another clutch shooter. They have a lot of big time players over there. But here's the thing. With Joel Embiid out, they don't have any big man anymore that can compete, especially against guys like Clint Capella or John Collins. Uh, and if you can't get boards over these guys, which most people can't, you're not going to be able to compete, especially when not having a good shooter in Philly. I mean, besides Danny Green, Tobias Harris, you don't have a lot of shooters in Philly. So you're talking about a lot of missed rebounds that are going to go Atlanta's way. So just off rebounding alone, and the fact that you're losing so many points and opportunities with Joel Embiid being, being God, I have to give the win to the Atlanta Hawks. Last question. I know we're getting on from the NBA. Do you see the Bucks or the Nuts winning in round two? Who do you see winning? So I think the Bucks matchup. I think the Bucks got it 100. And uh, I I recently lost a bet. You know, I bet that the Boston Celtics would go further than the Brooklyn Nets, and I made that bet. In the beginning of the season, so we're talking about like six, seven months ago, I made yep. that bet. I'm a man of my word. I paid the guy, and we're on good terms. He's going to join us on the podcast one of these days. I'm sure he's going to brag about it. It's all good. I'm not worried about it. It's 200 bucks. It's cool. Anyway, um, even with the Boston Celtics losing, not having Jalen Brown, not having a real bench to compete, and Brooklyn doesn't really have a bench either, we were still in every game besides the last game. We were still there to compete. And the Milwaukee Bucks, I hate to say it, have a much better team than us. Not only do you have Giannis, Drew Holiday, you have Middleton. And Middleton, to me, is another uh, underrated player who's really fucking good and nobody talks about. And uh, I don't think you can cover this guy. So who is going to stop this team, in all honesty? Like, the, the Bucks are just built for perfection right now. I do think it's going to be a great series, but I do think the Bucks will win in six. That mm-hmm. That's my prediction. They blew up the heat in the last three games. You know, Middleton had that buzzer beater in the first game, but yep. then they fucking completely blew him out. The closest uh, game after the first one was by 17 points. And the Bucks are firing on all—they're firing on all cylinders right now. They're—they're they're doing everything right. They're playing defense. They're—they're they're covering their people. They're—they're they're hitting their shots. Um, they're playing consistent, good basketball. They actually remind me of the early 2000s Spurs, the way they're playing. Um, if anybody watches their highlights, they'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And it's just Giannis is just an animal. It's, he's just hard to stop. And my favorite part about this series going into it is that Giannis and James Harden don't like each other. They absolutely hate each other. I don't know if you know this. No. Nope. Uh, yep, yep. So, um, when, <laughs> so when Giannis was, you know, with Milwaukee and he won his first MVP, James Harden made comments saying that, oh, you know, all he does is drive to the basket. Like, anybody could do that. 
Giannis took offense to that and, and, you know, basically made comments about James Harden. He's like, oh, well, if I had the whole ball the whole game, I could basically do what you do too. So, you know, they've been throwing comments at each other back and forth, back and forth. Um, and now they're getting ready to play each other in the playoffs. Just recently, uh, they asked Giannis what he thought about playing against the Brooklyn Nets. He's like, oh, they have good players over there. You know, they got KD, they got Kyrie, and they got Jeff Green. Completely not mentioning James Harden. So a lot of people took that as disrespect. And they asked James Harden what he thought about it. And James Harden says, oh, I'm already thinking about him. I'm already ready for him. Like, so I'm very curious to see what happens, especially since James Harden's taking a back seat and he's doing more of a, um, a passing role. Uh, playing point guard, but he's still av- he's still getting triple doubles. He played great against the Celtics, so uh, I- I'm very excited. I think this is going to be the match of the playoffs before the um, the championship. You got a pick to win this one? I mean, if the big three, the Nets big three, you know, against the Celtics, they put up it was like 104 points together, 82 points together. Um, the Bucks starting five, they've been putting up pretty good numbers all together. Like you said, they've been firing on all cylinders. Um, our initial predictions was for me, it was, it was going to be the nets against an LA team right now. Both LA teams are on the verge of getting kicked out of the first round, yes, sir. which is embarrassing. And, uh, you know, the nets beat the Celtics four to one and then the bucks swept the heat. Um, By the way, not to cut you off. The Suns are up 40 to 18. <sighs> That, that's good news because, I mean, <laughs> we all hate LeBum James. But um, if the Bucks can fire on all cylinders, they can do what they've been doing, especially executing what they did against the Heat, I can see them winning. I don't know if it'll be as – it definitely won't be as big of blowouts, but it, it'll be close. Yeah, man, I'm excited to see what happens. We're going to go into the Paul brothers, and we're going to start off with the older brother, Logan. You know, we have Logan Paul versus Mayweather this Sunday night at 8 p.m. The rules have been announced. We have eight three-minute rounds. TKOs are allowed, and a stoppage will happen, but only up to a referee's discretion. Um, Paul came out and did say that he is going to annihilate Mayweather and knock him out. He swears by it. What are your thoughts on this, man? It's absurd. It's absolutely crazy. Um you know, Floyd's a probably best boxer that we've ever personally. He's the best boxer. He's the best of all time. We we all know it. Um, to me, Manny Pacquiao is my favorite of all time. But that's neither here nor the, there. We the, all know it's Floyd. Floyd beat Ma- Manny twice, so I'm not gonna talk about it. The only thing that scares me about Floyd going up against Logan Paul is Floyd's five eight, Logan's six two. Floyd's probably gonna fight at 160 pounds. Logan's going to fight at 190, right? After the weigh-in, I'll probably put on another 10 pounds, put back on water weight. Um, like I was saying, the only thing that concerns me is this kid Logan's got nothing to lose. You know, Floyd's 15-0 as a pro, 80 and, 84 and 8 as an amateur. He's beaten Conor McGregor, Andre Berto, Manny Pacquiao, Canelo Alvarez, Miguel Cotto, Shane Mosley, Juan Marquez, Ricky Atten, Oscar De La Hoya, Arturo Gotti, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the man's done a hundred and I mean, uh, 1.67 billion in revenue, absolute beast, best defensive fighter we've ever seen during his career. He's won 15 major world titles in five different weight classes and became not only the richest, but also one of the most decorated boxers of all time. He's got sponsors between 
Hub Wallet, Burger King, and FanDuel. But um, I, I honestly can't see. The only thing that, like, bums me out is I want to know who decided, whether it was Floyd's camp or Logan's camp, um, that there was going to be, like, no official win, and that was just going to be for bragging rights. So it, it's because of the Florida, Florida Boxing Committee. They came out and said that they can't sanction the fight. Um, so because of that, that's why it's known as an exhibition match and it won't be put towards Floyd's record, win or loss. So even if Floyd does lose, the only thing that he's going to lose is his dignity because he's still getting his payday. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, he's still going to be known as one of the, uh, an undefeated boxer to go down as one of the best of all time. So once again, the only thing he's going to lose is d- his dignity and he's going to be all over social media everywhere. And then this dude, Logan Paul, is going to blow the fuck up. But yeah, the world's like going to flip upside down. Yeah, yeah, but you you already said it. Um, Floyd's the greatest defensive fighter we've ever seen. Um, we saw him fight McGregor. There was a size difference there as well. Um, McGregor is more of a fighter than Logan Paul. We we already know that. Even though you know McGregor isn't a boxer, he's an MMA fighter. McGregor was able to stand all those rounds and go he all the way the distance. Went 10 rounds with the greatest boxer of all time. Exactly. I give Logan Paul three rounds. I think Mayweather is going to do, and people could say whatever they want. I've watched that McGregor-Mayweather fight many times. Me and you watched it live. You lost a bet to me. I'll I'll never forget that. (laughs) Mayweather is going to do what he did against McGregor. He's going to toy with you in the first couple rounds, probably fuck with you in the second, but then he is going to put you on your ass on the third or the fourth round. I do think the fight will go three rounds at the latest four rounds. Um, but my prediction is a third round KO. And I think Mayweather is going to go to kill this guy, especially after what his brother did at the, at the meet and greet. I don't see it going well. See, they recently sized up. They sized up today. They did their little uh, face off and Logan towers over this dude, which is expected. But I still, it's not going to deter Floyd. Floyd's you, still gonna, you think Floyd cares about height? You know how many times he's fought taller people? Yeah, it, 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 the speed's going to be ridiculous. But this dude, Logan Paul, has had one pro fight, and he's 0-1. It's the fight of the undefeated. 50-0 versus 0-1. <laughs> yeah, um, his last pro fight was against a YouTuber, and he lost. And that was November 9th, 2019. It's just absurd. I, 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 the only thing that could come out of this fight is this dude's got nothing to lose, which is crazy. No, he has everything in the game because even yeah. after, even if he, when he loses, because we all know he's going to lose, he gets to go around saying he got into a ring with Floyd Mayweather. And not only that, he's going to profit so much money from getting in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. You know, we always make these jokes or talk about like, oh, would you get in the ring? Would you take a punch from Mike Tyson? Logan Paul is just living that as a reality. That that that's he's living a reality. He's making so much money doing dumb shit, and I'm not hating on the kid. I respect it so much because I think that's awesome. The fact that you went from nothing to having everything just off social media, and now you're in a position to get in the ring with one of the greatest to ever do it. That's that's a bucket list thing. Like, you know how dope it would be to say that? Oh, I got in the ring and I did a sparring session with Mike Tyson, or I got in the ring mm-hmm. and I got to I got to dance around with fucking Floyd Mayweather. Many, many packets. This is amazing. And yeah. uh, I don't want to take any credit away from Logan Paul for getting to this point because there's a reason why they're doing this. 
it's all it's all publicity and we all know it but there's a reason why they're able to do this the public wants to see it and it's going to happen so now my question to you is do you want to watch this fight see with no only knockouts allowed and the bragging rights and there no there's not being judges that's what deters me from watching the fight i'll just watch the highlights after you know yeah, i'll just watch there's, the full no fight point after. Of wasting your money but if there was judges and this and that, then I'd probably because like, God forbid Logan Paul wins a round that there were actually judges there and you know he wins a round. <laughs> they the the place like social media would flip upside down. Um, I mean, even the, though the, there are no official judges, you already know what's going to happen. There's going to be judges or other fighters. And this happens every time there's a fight. People are going to be on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're going to say, oh. Mayweather won the first round, but Logan had a chance. You know, people are going to give out their scores. So even if there aren't official judges, people are going to be throwing the scores up. And most of the time, everybody usually agrees with the scores. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, this fight happens Sunday, this Sunday, June 6th, at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Starts at 8 p.m. We have a little brother, Jake Paul, going up against the former UFC champion, Tyron Woodley. Now, Tyron Woodley, he's 39, and he's about to turn 40, is going to be going up against Jake Paul on August 28th. And the venue hasn't been announced yet. I'm sure we'll find out during the Mayweather fight or after the fight. Woodley hasn't won a fight in three years. Um, Even Dana White has come out and said Woodley is not the same man he used to be, but he's still one of the strongest punchers I know, and I'm sure he's going to knock this Paul kid out. What are your thoughts on this? It's interesting. You know, this is the first opponent Jake Paul is going to fight that actually has some knockout power. Um, yes, he has, he hasn't won a fight in three years. He's lost his last four fights in the UFC. Um, he's quoted saying easiest fight of my career and biggest person of my career all in one night. He's a former two-time All-American wrestler at Missouri University. He, uh, former UFC welterweight champion, he beat Robbie Lawler in 2016 before defending the belt with three victories and a draw. And his pro record, he's 19 and seven. He was 19 and three before his four losses. But uh, he's got seven KOs. Had an amateur record of seven and zero. Uh, has even had a knockout of the night in the UFC. I've seen clips of him, and uh, everybody can look crisp and clean hitting pads. But I watched him hit pads. He looked clean. He looked technical. He looked crisp. He had a nice jab and a decent, he had decent head movement. He's only been knocked out once in 27 fights, pro and amateur. This I whole mean, thing's he's not Nate Robinson. We know he's not going to get knocked yeah, out. Yeah, this whole thing started. So when Jake Paul fought Ben Askren, Ben Askren is one of uh, Tyron Woodley's teammates. And he also cornered his teammate, Ben Askren. He had a backstage altercation with Jake Paul and pro boxer Jay Leon Love. Jay Leon was basically like, Oh, there's no money behind your name. You you lost all this other shit. They're basically like disrespecting him. And that's how the whole thing started between the UFC and Jake Paul. You know, Daniel Cormier came out after that saying like Tyron Woodley's a former welterweight champ. Like you can't come out disrespecting him. Like it's ridiculous. We've all been waiting for Jake Paul to get knocked out. And I really hope Tyron Woodley does it. You know, Jake looks good, but he hasn't fought anybody that can actually throw hands. You know, he fought a YouTuber. He fought a washed-up, retired basketball player, Nate Robinson. And then he fought um, Ben Askren, 
who looked like he was pregnant when he came up for the weigh-in. So I, I can't wait for it. And when they had their little face-off, Tyron looked right through this man's soul. I hear all that, right? But I also am not an idiot. I believe Ben Askren threw that fight for the biggest payday of his life. And I also believe Tyron Woodley, who should knock out Jake Paul, might lose this fight for the biggest payday of his life. Now, we only see what they're getting paid on paper, what they decide to do vaccines. I don't know. A lot of people don't know that Jake Paul's agent is a former UFC fighter and somebody who worked in the UFC organization. Um, He is quoted saying that a lot of people are taking Jake Paul too lightly and they don't realize that he really is about this life and he's going to prove everybody wrong when he gets into the octagon or the ring with Tyron Woodley. That's neither here nor there. I have no idea if that's true or false. That's that's his agent. Of course, he's going to speak on his better half. He's not going to say anything negative. But I do know Woodley, who's about to turn 40, hasn't won a fight in years. Yes, he has an easy layup in this fight. We all know that. We all knew Ben Askren should have knocked out Jake Paul. Let me stop you right there. No, we're not stopping. I'm going to keep going. I think Tyron Woodley is going to take a payday and throw the fight, just like Askren did. I think he's going for a payday, and I think this whole bullshit is just going to blow up to where another UFC fighter is going to get disrespected, and we're just going to continue this fiasco of jokes and bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. You literally said that Manny Pacquiao, Chad Johnson, and Floyd Mayweather can still fight in their 40s. Yeah. That don't – so Tyron Woodley's about to be 40. He's oh, still going to be able to fight. When, you, when you're going to talk about things I said, make sure you bring out the context as well because we were talking about people – Doing things right. I never Correct. brought up Chad Johnson. You brought up Chad Johnson. You're right. I, I, I wanted. I, I didn't even plan on talking about that. I just said that Chad Johnson keeps very good care of himself, and I know from watching him that he does box. That's all I said. I don't all know. Right. I've never seen tape on him. I just know he does it. And you I'm going to talk this. about something and not be about something. Manny Pacquiao, like I said, is one of my favorite boxers of all time. Manny Pacquiao is also somebody who is a professional boxer who is still getting into the ring is about to fight the number one undisputed champion. Manny Pacquiao is fighting real competition. Floyd Mayweather is doing an exhibition match. Floyd Mayweather's match doesn't even count. Manny Pacquiao is actually doing real things. Tyron Woodley, once again, is retired. He's about to turn 40 years old. He's 39 right now. He's about to turn 40. He's about to get the biggest payday of his life, just like Ben Askren did. Ben Askren, after that loss, walked away with his wife, and they were all smiles. All fucking smiles. Everybody knew it. Everybody saw it. Tyron Woodley, yes, he's about to get the biggest payday of his life. But once again, we don't know what's happening behind scenes. We don't know if he's going to get more money for taking a dive, taking a fall. Ben Askren took a dive. I don't think Woodley's that type of dude, but I don't know Woodley personally, so I can't speak on that. Woodley should knock him out. We all know it. You're going to look dumb as hell on YouTube doing all this shit. Just wait. We all know Woodley should knock him out. It shouldn't even be a contest. But if Woodley loses, I'm 100% saying right now it's because he threw the fight. That's all, right. all I'm saying. Well, let me, let me say this. So, like I said, he had a backstage altercation with Jay Leon Love, who's a pro boxer, and Jake Paul. You think this man is going to get flat out disrespected? By two nobodies, and then take a fall in a fight. Hey, man, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Anybody can say anything about anything. I can stage anything. Perception is reality. 
So they're using this one altercation that I didn't even see. Did you see it? Yeah. Okay. There was Could've no hands. Staged. No hands thrown. No hands thrown. Could have no been staged. Hundred percent. Because remember when Jorge Masvidal felt disrespected, he punched somebody in the nose. These guys are fighters. They they know what they're doing. They're grown men. They're adults. Yeah, if but that you, this if you is disrespect r- somebody. You can easily throw a punch. You can yeah, easily but- step to somebody, throw a push or something. None this of that was, stuff happened. This was right before the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight. Like he he already had his hands taped. That, that means nothing to me. <laughs> you know, you well, you, you be their teammates, Tyron Woodley and Ben Askren. Tyron cornered him in the fight. He's but not they're gonna... not teammates because both of them are retired. So I'm tired of people saying teammates. It's not like they're fighters anymore. They're not they, fighters. They train out of the same place. I understand where they train. If anything, they're friends who go to the same gym together. They're not professional athletes anymore. Stop Stop calling them teammates. Tom Brady and Gronk are teammates. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are teammates. These guys are friends. They probably go to the beach together. That They're going to go on vacation together with those big paychecks they just got. Because Tyron Woodley is about to have it made. In one, in one bullshit fight, in one bullshit fight, he's going to make more money than he did in all those years, even when he had the belt. Take that yeah, into consideration. And, and that's correct. That's correct. But he's not going to lose this fight. And once again, if there's more money behind the scenes that we don't know about, once again, I believe Woodley should knock this man out. It should not be a contest. Don't don't take what I'm saying and think I'm switching it up. I believe Woodley should win this fight 100%. I said if he loses, it's because he took another paycheck. That's all I'm saying. I, I would believe it's fixed 100%. And if you don't think that it could, it's possible – then you're just there's you're no just way numb to humanity. So no, so like you're gonna we've said this like three or four times. And Tyron Woodley came out and said, I'm doing this for the MMA. I'm no, doing no, this no, for no, 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 no. You're gonna get disrespected in front of cameras and everybody. People are gonna call you, there's no money behind your name, all this other shit. And you're gonna take a fall. Bro, I, as a kid, I grew up by watching wrestling. You know? <sighs> Stop. I saw the rock talk shit. To everybody. Now he's the highest paid actor in Hollywood. Everybody says he's the nicest man in the world. But when he was a wrestler, everybody thought he was an asshole. I've seen Jake Paul's podcast. I've seen his YouTube show. He's a nice guy. A lot of people get along with him. No, he's not. He's a fucking dickhead. That's his persona, bro. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's like wrestling. It's when he's actually, when you actually watch him. He's a nice, genuine dude. He does a lot of good things for a lot of people. He might act like a scumbag, but he's he, a good guy. He, he started from the bottom when he came from all this money. He's like fucking Drake with his in-ground pool. Once again, if Tyron loses, it's because it's fixed. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm basically just saying that it doesn't matter what the Paul brothers do. If anything happens in their success, nobody's going to take it serious. Everybody's going to think, that the other fighter threw the fight. So it doesn't matter how many fights they take. It doesn't matter how many fights they win. Nobody's going to consider them legit fighters until they actually fight somebody for real. Canelo came out and offered a sparring session. They turned him down. Why why would you turn down a sparring session with Canelo? Because you're afraid. Exactly. But you're telling me you'll get in the ring with Tyron Woodley? Come on, bro. Just think about that. Just, that's all I'm saying. Jake Paul is also sparred with tons of people, tons of legit people. Okay, he ain't sparring with Canelo though. 
Yeah, Cano is in a league of his own. That's if he was in his prime, he would have beaten Floyd Mayweather. We all know this. Yeah, we all know that. Oh, I, I've said that many times. Mayweather got on that train and fought him ahead of his prime, and that was the smartest thing he could have done because now yeah. Canelo is one of the best defensive fighters I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, he's like 55-1 and something. All right, I know enough of this bullshit. We don't even want to talk about this shit. M- mind you, this isn't even going to happen until August, so we got plenty of time to talk about that later on. Let's go to the NFL. We got a lot to talk about. NFL OTAs and QB situation. Uh, one of the highlights that we'll talk about is Tom Brady coaching at minicamp, but we'll bring up Brady later on. Um, right now, we're going to talk about the Patriots OTAs. Um, we had some players missing from the OTAs. We had Hightower gone. Stephon Gilmore wasn't there. McCordy, Kyle Van Noy, Matthew Judon, and James White. Um, Mac Jones was present. Um but he was behind Cam Newton throwing second in line, getting a lot more reps than everybody expected. So I was happy to see that. Um, do you have any comments on what you learned about Patriots OTAs? So it's interesting. Like I was shocked Belichick put Mac Jones out there in the number two spot while cameras were there. I'm like surprised he didn't have him like third or fourth on the depth chart or like third or fourth in the line. I mean, um, it's just OTA, so it's it's not anything crazy. When we get it to is, but like, we'll see more, especially with Jared Stidham. I'm kind of mm-hmm. surprised about that too. But I think everybody, I think he knows everybody's there. And once again, right now they're they're trying to do things different in New England, as we've seen from the draft and then free agency. Robert Kraft said it many times. You know, we're gonna have to do everything different. Everybody in New England is excited about Mac Jones, you know, the yeah. future quarterback. It doesn't matter if we have Cam, doesn't matter if we have Stidham, people want to see Jones. And he's still wearing the number 50, whether uh, you want to read into that or anything. It's not like he's wearing the number two jersey or the number three jersey. He's wearing the number 50. So if anything, I think it was just for show. Yeah. That's how I'm looking at it. I'm not look, reading into it too deeply. Um. But yeah, man. Do you have any other thoughts on it? I mean, he's received a lot of praise. He, the Hunter Henry said something about him, but Kendrick Bourne recently said, Mac, good energy, awesome guy. You can tell he's happy to be here, comes to work, and you can feel his energy and his leadership already. He has swagged to him, and I didn't know that he had. He's out there confident. He's been turning heads and living up to the hype. I mean, when you're on one of the biggest shows in college sports and then you go to one of the biggest shows in the NFL, you know, I mean, I think that transition is great. And I think he's been prepped and ready for this for a while. Uh, I'll never forget the smile on his face when he got that call from Belichick saying that he was coming to New England. And I was happy because most people, you know, I feel like even when Garoppolo got drafted, you could see like that nervousness um, with this guy. He was he was fucking ready to go. And so I'm excited for the future. But once again, I don't think we should see him throwing a football in a regular season for at least another year. That, that's how I'm calling it. Yeah, um, definitely want him to hold the clipboard. Doesn't matter how good he does. That's what I'm worried about. Like, I really hope Cam does good. Uh, every feedback that I've heard about him, uh, first man up in every jail, drill, generally looked sharp throwing the ball, had the most voice on the offensive side. I'm excited, man. I've said it before. I think Cam Newton has a chance to win MVP this year. And I I think that would be incredible. I think it would be a beautiful story for him because if he wins an MVP and Boston, uh, New England wants to move forward and Mac Jones as their guy, Cam Newton go into free agency and get the contract he deserves. And it's a win-win for everybody. So 
how much progress do you see Cam having from this past year to the current year going in so, season wise? Cam Newton had a career low last year. It, it was terrible. It was one of the worst seasons we've seen, especially for a Patriots quarterback. We haven't seen anything that bad since I was like three years old and I just turned 30. So let's just think about that for a moment. He has everything in his favor right now with, you know, having a, a healthy offensive line in front of him. Uh, he now has offensive weapons last year. He only had Edelman and Edelman wasn't even Edelman. Um, so we all know that. Yeah. You had James white, um, but there's only so much you can do. They couldn't even throw the ball. Cause even when they did, you have people like Nikhil Harry who couldn't even catch it. People could say whatever they want about how bad Cam Newton was last year, but he had all the cards stacked against him. And this year he has everything lined up in favor for him. So he has, if anything goes wrong this year, it's a hundred percent on him. I will say that because last year you didn't have OTAs. You didn't have mini camp. You didn't have preseason games this year. We have all of that. And there's new people in new England learning the new playbook. So I think there's still a lot of moving pieces. If anything, I'm not going to give him a hard time leading up to like week four, week five. But by the time week six comes, you need to get your shit together. I think I, I think that's for any, everybody in the league because there's a lot of new quarterbacks and a lot of new players and a lot of new systems right now. So by week six, no more excuses. Get your shit together. And I think we even all saw that last year with Brady and the Buccaneers. I want to do an early prediction on Cam. We both know he's going to be the starter. We have high hopes for him. So – Higher or lower, 20 passing TDs? Higher. Higher or lower, 10 interceptions? Higher. Higher or lower, 3,000 passing yards? Well, that's tough because even his MVP season back in 2015, he didn't have that many passing yards. Um, I'm going to say lower than 3,000. Higher or lower? 500 rushing yards. Higher. Higher or lower, eight rushing touchdowns. Higher. I think with more offensive weapons, I know Cam ran a lot last year, and he did really well. But now mm -hmm. they have more people to look out for. Not only do you have Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, uh, Nelson Aguilar, all these guys that they just brought in, you still got to watch out for James White. You still got to watch out for Cam's legs as well. Um, I'm excited to see what they're going to do for this offense. And I think there's going to be too many defensive pieces looking one way to where they can just focus on cam. You can't just have one guy watching cam. Cause then you're going to have somebody going across the middle of the field. Boom. Slayer out. Um, and I, it kind of obsessed me that I just say he'll have less than 3000 passing yards. Cause I think he has the opportunity to get over it. Um, but just if I'm as a betting man, I'm not. I'm not saying he's throwing more than three thousand yards. See, That's... I think he'll have more. I think he'll have thirty-three hundred yards. <laughs> I'm saying That's this, very this specific. Is, this, this is my outlook for Cam. He's going to have pass, twenty-five passing TDs, twelve interceptions, thirty-three hundred passing yards, five hundred rushing yards, and seven touchdowns on the ground. I mean. If he, if he can move that 25 up to 30, and, and I mean, it also depends on his uh, the, the Patriots' record by the end of the year, those are MVP numbers to me. Would you agree with that or no? I mean, it depends. There's a lot of talent 
in the league right now. You got Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady's stats last year were 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 4,600 yards. Yeah, but you're also talking about the number one offense in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, just just hearing those numbers, what we're predicting for Cam isn't that far off, if you think about it. Um, anything is possible, and we can definitely see that happen. But you got to take into the consideration the rush yards and the rush touchdowns and the hits this man's going to take. So, um, Absolutely. If, you're, if you're able to run the ball like that and pass the ball like we're predicting, that, that's an MVP player in my eyes. And uh, once again, we all know that the defense does most of it, but the quarterback usually gets all the credit. So as long as our defense shows up like we all expect it to and the Patriots are able to play like the Denver Broncos did back in 2015 when they beat Cam Newton in that Super Bowl, I think Cam Newton has a chance to, to compete all the way to the end. But all right, man, enough about the Patriots. Let's go. Let's go on uh, to more teams and OTAs. You got any news for me on any other teams? So I'll save Green Bay for last, but starting off, we got the Ravens. They decided they're going to work with Lamar more under center for the 2021 season after exclusively taking snaps from the pistol formation for the past three years. So that should be interesting, seeing him more under center how he's going to move, how he's going to see the defense, et cetera. Um, everybody on the Colts has had great feedback about Carson Wentz as a teammate. Seems to be fitting in. Um, I'm sure everyone saw the little clip on Facebook of him playing knockout with uh, one of his teammates. Yeah. Really good. Um, the biggest QB situation right now for me personally is the Washington football team. I haven't heard too much on OTAs, but uh, they have the kid. They just got Ryan Fitzpatrick for this year. Then they have uh, Taylor Heineke. I don't even know how to say his name. They lost out in the draft. Uh, the top five QBs were taken by the time they picked. Taylor Heineke is interesting journey in and out of the NFL. Won and drafted in 2015. Bounced around the NFL for a few years. Was drafted in the XFL, but never played. On December 8th, 2020, signed with the practice squad. And then he started the wild card playoff game last year against the Bucks after Alex Smith was ruled out. He went 26 for 44 for 306 yards, threw a touchdown and an interception. They only lost 31 to 21. This offseason, he signed a two year. It was a good game. Point, yep. This, this year, he signed a two year, 8.7 million, 8.75 million contract extension. So I'll be interested to see who is the starter on day one. Going on for the Rams, Cooper Cup looks like he's in midseason form. Had an unreal one-handed grab in OTAs. For the Eagles, uh, there's been nothing on Zach. Wait, that's all you have on the Rams? Yeah, that's all I got. I've heard a lot of great things about Matthew Stafford, man. I mean, last week I said Matthew Stafford's going to be the best QB out of the yeah, three yeah. team that have new ones. And everyone would no agree team, with me. The team's been praising him uh, in their OTAs, saying how, how professional he is and how, how his IQ is off the charts and how um, they're all excited that he's there. So um, I, I'm with you on Matthew Stafford being in L.A. I'm not even going to lie. Depending on where he falls, um, he might be my, uh, my fantasy QB this year. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Right now with the Bengals, 
after getting injured with uh, extensive knee damage last year, Joe Burrow looks good. He's launching 60-yard bombs in OTAs. His stats last year were 2,688 yards, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions. So I'll be interested to see what he can do with his former teammate, yeah, Jamal that Chase, knee, that they drafted. That knee brace he's wearing looks rough. Yeah, it looks a little bulky. Um, right now for rookie QB, as I looked around the league, there's not a lot on Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the number two right now. He's had good communication and he's a good learner. The head coach says he's doing all the right things. Zach Wilson, which I'm kind of shocked. In OTAs, he's gone 46 for 61 passing, six touchdowns, one interception. He's able to make quick reads against the defense and has a cannon. And coach, the head coach says he's relentless in his want for knowledge. I mean. I do think the kid has a good head on his shoulders. I've seen him play. Um, he's playing against the Jets defense. That's not good. So <laughs> that's not Correct. saying much. So, I, I mean, I'm happy they're happy. Um, and those are still great numbers. And I'm not discrediting any of the Jets defenders. But once again, they're not They're not a good defense in the I league. I mean, they got so a good safety. That's not saying much. Got I mean, that, that, that's one position out of 11, bro. So – Last but not least, we're going to go over the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's healthy and seems to be embracing that he finally has competition. Looks like he's bulked up during the offseason and has embraced the role of guiding Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance, physical skills stand out amongst the rest of the QB group. Had the best deep ball. Still needs to learn the full offense. Uh, right now, what they're saying is Jimmy Garoppolo looks like the clear-cut starter for the beginning of the season. I mean, we already knew that was going to happen. I don't know why where all the hate for Jimmy Garoppolo came out of nowhere. Um, I understand that he started doing these short-arm throws and not going downfield. And uh, a lot of people started questioning him. And this all started when they lost the Super Bowl. And one of the main reasons why this started is because if you go back to that game, you have over two minutes on the clock. You have a full set of three timeouts and the chance to win the game, and you throw it away. Uh, and I was never a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I'm actually happy to see him in the hot water because when he got drafted and he came to New England, I rem I'll never forget, I was running a sports store at the time. Everybody came in saying, oh, I need that number 10 shirt. I need that number 10 jersey. This uh, Jimmy G kid, porn star Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of people couldn't say his name. They're like, He's going to be the future. He's going to be our guy. And I, I argue to, to this day that he was never going to be our replacement. He was never going to do that. And now I'm happy to see that he has to go through this because now he gets to experience what Tom Brady had to go through. Even though you get to a Super Bowl, even though you win, people will still be on your six. And uh, I want to see how he overcomes this adversity, 100%. And if he can come out of this situation – where people are like, all right, we need to trade Trey Lance. We made a mistake drafting this guy. I'll be happy for Jimmy, and I'll be happy for the 49ers. But uh, I would love to see this dude get traded and see Trey Lance take over. Absolutely. So there's one thing I want to touch on before we head over to Green Bay and Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Um, right now in the Pats offense, it looks like Nelson Aguilar looks like the number one wide receiver. Multiple reports emphasize out his speed his speed stood out amongst his fellow I'm not wide happy receivers. about that at all right now for the the starters the top three wide receivers seem to be Aguilar Bourne Myers accompanied by tight end Hunter Henry nope what do you mean not no? happy not happy about that at all 
I'm sorry, but all all the guys you just named, if anything, they would be an, at best on another team, the number three wide receiver. And that's just yeah. my personal opinion, 100%. Like, people can take that as disrespect or call me a hater, whatever they want. To me, Nelson Aguilar is not a number wide receiver. He's not a number two wide receiver. He's a number three slot receiver. That That's how I look at him. Um, same thing with Bourne. Myers, you know, let's see what happens. Um, I'm happy I didn't hear Nikhil Harry on that list. I'll say So that. I'm about to get into that. So right now, Nikhil Harry will be fighting for his job. Right now, guaranteed spots are Slater, Bourne, Aguilar, Gunnar Olinsky, and Myers. Olinsky was a pro bowler for the special teams last year. Can't see Patriots cutting him. Harry oh, he's not be, going anywhere. People love that guy. Yep. Harry will be fighting against a few players. Isaiah Zuber, Devin Smith, and this year's seventh round pick, Trey Nixon, who's 6'2, 180, and runs a 439. I don't think any of those guys end up being on the roster. Not even Trey Nixon. Well, we'll see what happens. I, I don't think any I don't think any of them make the final cutoff. If anything, they'll end up being practice squad players or they'll end up getting picked up from other teams. Um, I, I still think the Patriots have a chance to to get Julio. Um, I also think there's other players out there that we can go for. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I would much rather see any of those other moves happen versus any mm-hmm. of those guys you just named staying on that team. And no disrespect to them, because I still don't even know half these guys, um, all the new guys you just named, but everybody yeah. else, I don't see them losing their spot. Uh, I'm going to change the subject over to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, right now, the biggest praises I've been seeing is uh, Andy Reid uh, shouting out his uh, starting five, his front five on that offensive line, and they're – they're nicknamed the protection from Mahomes. Um, you know, they got a bunch of new guys in there or replacing guys who retired or had to leave the NFL. And uh, things look good. And he's even quoted saying that there's going to be a strong fight on that front five for the right side. Um, how does how does that look for the rest of the NFL? The, the weakest spot on that Kansas City Chiefs team just became the number one thing in the NFL. I mean, on paper, at least. Do you see them having the number one offensive line in the league? And what does that mean for defenders? I mean, we went into this last week. They drafted the kid out of Oklahoma. They ended up getting the, the center from the Rams. They took Joe Thune from the Patriots. They ended up getting uh, long or, out of retirement. Orlando and they, Brown. And then, last but not least, like I was going to say, they got Orlando Brown Jr. from the Ravens. So, last year in the Super Bowl – it was known that Pat Mahomes was under pressure. He ran 500 yards from sideline to sideline. Um, and which our was incredible. Which is ridiculous. And our predictions last week, I said it's probably going to be the same, same Super Bowl, but this year the Chiefs are going to win. I think it is. No. <laughs> so, basically, the Chiefs, the, their only issue, a downside of them is they lost Sammy Watkins which is just another weapon that they could throw to. He went to the Ravens. Um, the Chiefs, basically, what they had issues with last year, they have completely fixed. I understand that they had issues with their offensive line, but now that they lost Sammy Watkins, they lost another target. And also, no disrespect to the rookie from last year, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, there's tape on him now. And he struggled in the playoffs and at the end of the year. I don't think he's going to be able to step in. So, to me, the Chiefs have no run game right now. 
So speaking of that, Le'Veon Bell has recently come out and said that everyone is going to regret what they've said about him, that he's going to have a good year. I'm sorry, man. Le'Veon has been talking for the last few years now, and he hasn't shown us anything. Um, when, as soon as he got off the Jets, I knew he was officially done for. So no disrespect to Le'Veon. When he played, he was one of the best to do it. But even when he played, he barely played because he was always hurt. So people can say whatever they want. There's one thing to talk about it. You got to show about it and be about it. And Le'Veon hasn't done anything in years in the NFL. Once again, lost Sammy Watkins. They have no run game besides Patrick Mahomes. Um, Tyree Kill, he's a monster. Travis Kelsey is a monster. But if you only have two places to look or three places to look, Patrick Mahomes and then those two, what, what are you really worried about? And the, so, that's that's what the Buccaneers did last year. They they were able to shut that down. So this kid Hardman's supposed to step up this year. Yeah, yeah, Nicole Hardman. Super you know, fast. He's super fast. And, you know, he competed with, with, like, the Olympic trials, and he did really good. You know, same with DK Metcalf. But, like, just because you can run fast doesn't mean you can do anything. Like, he played last year, uh, and he, was, he wasn't able to get open. Doesn't matter how fast you are if you still have somebody who can play better defense than you can catch. That, that's all it comes down to. Unless they're going to hit him on a slant route every fucking play, I'm not worried about him. He's or they're a deep threat, go though. Deep, or they're going to go deep. Yeah, but he ain't no Deshaun Jackson. I know, but you have Tyreek and him. You can go either side of the field. Oh, I agree with you 100%. But once again, Nicole Hardman, I don't think he has the hands that Tyreek does. If, if you hit Hardman when he's going after that ball, I, he's not coming down with it. Doesn't have to get hit if he outruns him. Very true, but I don't see them outrunning Stephon Gilmore or any other people in the AFC. But all right, man, uh, we're going to move on to the Buccaneers now. Uh, last Monday, Tom Brady hosted his own passing camp at the New York Yankees spring training camp facility. Uh, on Friday, he was able to work out with Buccaneers um, training facility with a few of his key teammates. Uh, also, according to Rick Stroud of the Tampa T Bay Times, uh, Bruce offered Brady the opportunity to host throwing sessions at the team's facility with no coaches present. Uh, also said that players could even come and go freely on the facilities as they want, um, all because Brady suggested these things. Um, recently, Brady had surgery. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of that um, after the Super Bowl. So because of that, they don't want to put too much stress on Brady. So he's going to be hosting throwing events, but he's also going to be doing a lot of coaching. Um, what, what does this mean for the NFL? I mean, from what everybody's been saying, he took his teammates to uh, the Yankee Spring Training Facility, and they had great workouts. The biggest issue I've seen with the Bucks between head coach Bruce and Tom Brady is he's taking players away from OTAs and they're butting heads. Yeah, but from what I've seen, Bruce is okaying all of this. So, and that's where the media, it depends on where you look at it. Because when you speak to Bruce, he's doing nothing but bowing down and praising Tom Brady. But when you have reporters seeing what's going on, they're creating this narrative that these guys aren't getting along. And in reality, they're, they're fucking really good friends. And Bruce is opening up all the doors for Tom Brady. Well, so this is, this is where it gets dicey is, um, Supposedly, there's certain players Bruce wants at OTAs, but they'd rather play with Tom Brady, which, I mean, you can't blame them. So they're going there, and that's where they're 
butting heads. I mean, when it comes down to it, man, especially with last year, they didn't get to do any of the OTAs. They didn't get to do mini camp. They didn't get to do any of the prep work. You know, remember they got in trouble for going to yeah. like a high school field. Um, now the Bucks have all the time in the world and Brady has control to do with whatever he wants. So what does that mean for the league? Like, what do you think with the Bucks having no prep time last year and now they have all the time in the I mean, world and, and all the doors open for them to do whatever they want? What do you think they're going to be able uh, to do this next season? Do you see a repeat happening? Or see, are you going to stick with what you said and say uh, that they're going to go, but they're going to lose? I'm going to stick with what I said, but how the Chiefs are going to win. But I don't see too much difference. I mean, Brady still talked with those players you know, he still did uh, workouts and stuff like that. Not as much as he did this year because of COVID last year, but I can't see too much changing. It's good that, you know, the head coach gives him as much free reign as he, he has and everything. I'll just, I don't know. Well, what do you think that means for the league? Because people around the league see this and they see that Brady, you know, went down to Tampa Bay became friends with the coach. They gave him the leeway. Um, they brought in the players that he requested. They're, they're working with him in the draft, free agency, everywhere. And now, now they're doing this, too. Do you think other players are going to want this kind of treatment or, like, say, well, Brady's knowing it. We could definitely win if you let me do it. And I so think that's what's going on with Aaron Rodgers as well because he sees that. So I'm about to bring up a stat before. I'll, I'll say what I have to say. Um, Brady's in the league of his own, you know, seven Super Bowls. He has more Super Bowls for himself than any franchise in the NFL. It's amazing. Man's beat every team. He's got uh, five Super Bowl MVPs, three MVPs, two offensive player of the year, comeback player of the year, 14 Pro Bowls, four passing, four time passing touchdown leader, NFL 2000s all decade team, 2010s all decade team, NFL 100 anniversary team, most games won, most games started. Etc. 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 Little little stat on Brady and Rodgers. So the Packers drafted zero wide receivers in the first round during Aaron Rodgers' 16 seasons in Green Bay. He yep. won one Super Bowl. Yep. The Patriots drafted zero wide receivers in the first round during Tom Brady's first 16 seasons in New England. He won five Super Bowls. So like I was saying, Brady's in a league of his own. You, you can't compare yourself to Brady and be like, oh, I, I also I don't think it's fair to compare the draft um, just because, you know, Belichick, he done it all. He was not only the head coach, he was the GM. He's the guy who's drafting to where in, in Green Bay, you have multiple guys doing multiple things and they've had multiple coaches over the years to where it was just one guy building one team. So I, I don't think it's fair to compare that. Um, like you said, Aaron Rodgers did win a Super Bowl in his time. They didn't do any favors to help him out. I will say that. So, I mean, he's got one of the top wide receivers and the top running backs in the league. So he has two of them. You're absolutely right. He has two of the best clearly, in the league. Clearly, as a team, you're going to draft defense. You're going to try to better your defense. So how he can't get behind that, like, it's just – it's nuts. We'll, we'll go into more about Aaron Rodgers in a little bit. Uh, that's enough for OTAs. Going to talk about Julio Jones. Uh, yesterday morning, Kimberly Martin was on Get Up. And she came out and announced that both the Ravens and the Rams are done trying to trade for Julio, that they're fed up with Atlanta and they want nothing to do with it anymore. Um, she also added that all the talks around the league state the new front runner was announced that it to be the Titans. Um, Mike Florio, 
came out and reported the Falcons will eventually trade Julio Jones to the Titan for just a second round pick. Now I know earlier you made an announcement saying that the Patriots were the new front runner. Um, is that because of the news that was announced yesterday saying that the Titans were going to get him for just a second round pick? You brought up Jared Stidham. Uh, what's happening with that? What did you hear? So per sports betting AG, the Patriots are the front runner. So what, what makes you think the Patriots have a chance now? Is, do they say something about a trade possibly going down? Do you think they're going to trade Jared Stidham to Atlanta? I mean, the Patriots got the pieces to uh, to give up. You know, Nikhil Harry, even though he's been struggling since he's been drafted, he's still got a lot of tools. He was supposed to be once in a, a one-time generational talent, somebody they could work with. They got an old quarterback situation. I mean, Matt Ryan is 36 years old. And then they have A.J. McCarron, who we both like, but he's never started. He's never had a full shot. They signed an undrafted free agent in Felipe Franks, who played at Florida, and then I think it was Arkansas. So they really don't, behind Matt Ryan, they really don't have a steady quarterback or a solid backup. I mean, I'm so down to give up Jared Stidham. Uh, Nikhil Harry and a draft pick, but I think we would need more in return than just Julio Jones. I mean, honestly, like Nikhil Harry hasn't produced. Jared Stidham, I'm fine with giving him up because now we have Mac Jones. But if we give up those players, I'm not giving up a draft pick. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, to complete the Patriots, to make us get over that hump, get over that hill, to get us to the Super Bowl, to beat the Chiefs, to beat the Browns, to beat the Bills beat the Titans. We need that number one threat wide receiver. Oh, and I agree with you hundred percent. Like I just said earlier, I don't believe any of the receivers we have are number, number one wide receivers. If anything, I could see Nelson Aguilar being bumped to a number two, if we have a Julio Jones or somebody else, but I don't see us giving up two players and a draft pick for a declining Julio who can't even play half a season. Um, that That's just my mindset. I think a second round pick in the report, is more than enough. Um, but if we're going to give up Jared Stidham, just Jared Stidham. If we're going to give up Nikhil Harry, give him Nikhil Harry and a draft pick because Nikhil Harry is not even worth the draft pick. But I wouldn't give up two players and a draft pick. See, like, we think Julio Jones is done, and he's 32 years old. I don't think he's done. I just don't think he's the number one receiver people believe him to be anymore. So Check this shit. Randy Moss, right? When the Patriots trade a fourth-round pick to get him from the Raiders. At the time, everybody thought Randy Moss took plays off, only played half the game. He was done, et cetera. And then he came to the Patriots, and he went off. Brady. I had agree to- with you, and I remember all of that, but I also still watch football all the time, and I never thought Randy Moss was done. Um, I What I'm thinking about Julio now is not what I thought about Randy Moss then. When we got Randy Moss, I'd never been happier. I was so excited because I knew we just got a true number one wide receiver, and him and Tom Brady were going to do great things. And that's exactly what happened. And it's unfortunate they didn't win a ring together. But Julio Jones, once again, he's an injury-prone wide receiver that can't even finish half a season. Randy Moss was never in that situation. His enthusiasm and his effort was questioned, but not his mental toughness, not his physical ability. I don't know if I can trust Julio Jones. And that's what I'm worried about. And I love Julio. I draft him every year in fantasy. But this next season, he's not somebody I'm going to touch, even if he gets traded away from Atlanta. Matt Ryan was the number one passing quarterback in the NFL for fantasy. 
and Julio Jones did not produce. So, I mean, the dude still had 51 receptions and almost 800 yards receiving. I agree with you. But when he plays, he's incredible. Once again, he's injury prone. So that's all it comes down to. All right, we're going to go on the last topic. We're going to enough about Julio. Packers came out and said they're going to call Aaron Rodgers out on his bluff. Um, they already made a statement saying under the new CBA agreement, he could be charged up to $93,085 for missing all three days of mandatory minicamp. And if Aaron Rodgers retires, Packers stated he would lose out on the remaining $23 million of his contract and would have to give back his $6.8 million roster bonus that he already received. What are your thoughts on this, man? I mean, I'm kind of getting sick of Aaron Rodgers' bullshit, you know, <laughs> complete diva. I know a lot of groups don't go to OTAs. Like, it's common for a full wide receiver group to not show up to OTAs, but it's completely ridiculous. You know, Jordan Love, who hasn't done anything wrong, who's been the backup towards Aaron Rodgers, just like Aaron Rodgers was to Brett Favre. I agree. He's the, he's the successor. And, and the funny part was he, he experienced what happened with Brett Favre because Brett Favre, made it publicly known yeah. that he was bullshit. Yeah. So now it's just kind of funny that it's coming full circle, and he's he's the one who's causing all this drama. Bart Starr and Brett Favre both played 16 seasons with the Packers. That was it. Aaron Rodgers had already had his 16th season, so he might not be there this year. It's just ridiculous, but the whole wide receiver group, the top wide receivers didn't show up to OTAs. Um, Jordan Love worked with the makeshift crew, and if I was Jordan Love, you know, I mean, I'd feel like my teammates didn't have confidence in me. They don't even want to work with me. They don't even want to show up. Like, say Aaron, say Aaron Rodgers, everything gets worked out. He comes up and say he, you know, tours an ACL first game of the season or gets hurt or so on and so forth. Like, how Jordan Love doesn't have that chemistry. These dudes won't even show up for him. It's just, I agree it's, with you. I think it's very rude, disrespectful, and it's unfortunate because Jordan Love is just somebody who was drafted there. He didn't pick and choose where he got to go play. He was asked to come play there, and now he's there trying to do the best he can. And now everything, he's up against the wall because he's the second man on the roster, and everybody loves Aaron Rodgers. That's their guy. You know, he's pretty much like family with them. So for him to be going through all this and them trying to serve support to their quarterback, it's unfortunate that Jordan Love is getting the brunt of the stick in this situation, especially since he's done nothing wrong. Um, but it, it all just comes down to the, just the team being unhappy. It's it's not just Jordan Love. Um, the team's unhappy with the coach and the GM. Um, they mm-hmm. want change. Um, so I think everybody's just trying to, you know, make a statement with these uh, non-show-ups. But the real question comes down to is, do you think Aaron Rodgers will retire if they don't trade him? Because they already said it's not going to happen. I mean, how much love does this dude have left for the game, you know? He, he looks pretty happy fucking, right now away from Yeah, him. he looks fine, and he can go be the fucking host of Jeopardy. That, that's fucking, the thing everybody's saying with him becoming the host of Jeopardy. He'll make up for all this money lost with those paychecks. It's absurd. I, I just, like, I honestly feel bad for this kid. Like, can you imagine, like, coming into a situation? Jordan Love, I think, has been there for, like, two years, right? Yep. He was a highly high prospect coming out when he got drafted. Can you imagine your teammates, a whole city, not – have, having zero confidence in you, not wanting you, and they'd rather take the old guy that, you know, was a host of Jeopardy. 
First of all, I mean, we can't just call him that old guy because he was last year's MVP. He was, but like so, he's being a fucking let's, diva. Let's not make it seem like he's fucking some no-name quarterback that's on his way out. Um, we're talking about the league MVP, somebody who just had an incredible year, um, and somebody who's just a little upset. You know, he, he's going through it uh, emotionally. The thing is, you know, talking about like what we talked about at the beginning of the episode, you know, with mental health and what's going on. Like you just said, can you imagine a whole city, your team, your teammates all not having confidence in you and just not wanting you there? I can only imagine what he's going through because nobody's talking about what he's thinking about mentally. Everybody's only talking about Aaron Rodgers. So I can only imagine the mental toll he's going through, um, just trying to make sure he's there and doing everything right because he looks like the bad guy when he shows up and everybody else is not going. And he's just trying to do his job, keep his job. Especially if Aaron Rodgers wants out, he needs to be ready to step up, like you just said. Yep. If his players aren't there, that means nobody's going to be on the same page. Then they're going to look like shit. Either way, that coach and GM look bad. Because... Even if he gets hurt. Yep, exactly. So, um, yes or no, do you think Aaron Rodgers will retire? I can't see him retiring. I really want to say he's going to retire, but I still see the possibility of him getting traded. So, I think it's too late to trade him. Um, especially once again, almost every team has a new quarterback that you're not going to have enough time to learn a new system to do all this stuff. Like we're talking about almost like a, a good month before playoff kickoff. Like we're, we're almost there. Obviously any team would love to have Aaron Rodgers, Um, but if you do, you would have to make some bullshit playbook where he only can do certain routes that that's it. And um, not, not discrediting Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, he just won an MVP, but he's been the man of a place for so long. Now you're talking about moving him to a whole new city, whole new organization. Not only does he have to learn all the players again, build chemistry, he needs to learn the playbook. I think it's very difficult. And I'm not going to try to use a comparison here, but um, when our old quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, when he went to the Colts, you know, same situation. Andrew, Andrew Luck was unhappy. He decided to leave. Jacoby Brissett was thrown to the Wolves. He didn't have any chemistry built with those players. He didn't know the system. He didn't know the playbook. He didn't know anything. He was a new guy in a new town. He was thrown right to the Wolves. That's what I'm looking at right now with this Jordan Love situation. I don't, I don't know, man. I think it's very fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. You got anything to add to end the show? So just watched it. Spoiler alert. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter's back. 145 pound. The coaches, Velosky versus Ortega, they already have. There's no fighting to get into the house. It, it, it's a great show, and I'm glad it's back. They got a new center for these dudes to all work out and fight it out. Uh, big names. It's absolutely amazing. A, a, as we've seen uh, past series, Rampage breaking a door, Ken Shamrock getting Tito Ortiz's face, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's a great show, and there's a lot of hype behind it, and I'm excited for the season. Every Tuesday night, 9 p.m streaming espn plus i'm going to check it out i actually watched some of uh the last episode last night uh when you told me that it was back on uh i'm excited about it because it's very fucking entertainment it is pure entertainment and i look forward to watching the season play out uh i just want to give a shout out to you doing the show with me tonight we didn't have johnny x boston with us or king petty crab um but you know we still held it down and did our thing i hope everybody enjoyed the show um, you can like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify. I just want to give 
Um, another shout out to Devin Booker dropping 37, three minutes to go in the third, and they're currently up 12 points against the Lakers. So next time we talk, we'll probably be talking about how LeBron James had a first round exit. On that note, I'm going to say peace. Good night, everybody.